Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 50 of the Cane and Rinse podcast. Oh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Money doesn't grow on trees. I got bills to pay. I got mouths to feed. There ain't nothing in this world for free. Joining me, Leon Cox, this week we have James Carter. Hello. Darren Foreman. Hello, sexy people. Darren Gargett. Howdy doody. And confusingly, James Batchelor. Hello. Of Game Burst and MCV. Now, not everyone listens to our podcasts uh, contemporaneously because that's the nature of them, but uh, you've had a busy day as a somebody who works in the trade press. I have. It's insane. Um, so the day of recording is the day that Nintendo has announced the uh, launch plans for Wii U in America, Japan and the UK. And uh, I, on the MCV crew, have been helping out, um, covering everything, and was actually in the office like until like half past six, seven ish, still trying to get you know all the prices up and all the American details and all the Japan details and all the the launch lineups, like <clears throat> simple things like they they um, they said, oh, these are the games coming out on launch day, November thirtieth, and these are launch window games. Mm. And then all those third-party launch window games are saying, actually, we're uh, launch day, and we're launch day, and we're launch day. And it's just constant updating. It doesn't stop. But I love it. You love it. And perks of the job, uh, you told us a little uh, tidbit. Perks of the job is that I've been playing Borderlands 2 for three days. (laughs) (laughs) So... There you go. Um, and also, you are part. We don't generally go big on the plugging, but we're going to plug uh, Game Burst because <laughs> they're, we're, we're sort of we like to consider ourselves uh, friendly cousins. Um, so, Game Burst, uh, you have several strings to your bow. You have a, a quiz once a month. You have a, a replay, which is a bit like what we do, but where we make love sensuous, sensually over an hour and a half. Uh, you give the game a quick sort of thirty-minute shafting. We we are a quick fling. Yep. And uh, you also have your news show weekly, and there's one more, isn't there? I'm forgetting. Uh, Roundtables. Roundtables, discussions, topics, and and so on. So, yes, uh, you should totally not unsubscribe from Cane and Rinse, but uh, you should totally also subscribe to Game Burst. Because you get lots of good stuff, and actually, sometimes when uh, Game Burst are about to cover a game, we take it off our list because we think, well, you know, that's been done for a while. So, uh, for instance, you're about to do uh, a replay on Zack and Wiki, which has long been on the Cane and Rinse Possibles list, but uh, we won't do it anytime soon because you're doing it. So that's cool. But you do these things so much better than us. I mean, we're Cane and Rinse light. <laughs> now, as I say, sometimes in life you want a, a long, slow, comfortable. Uh, relationship and other times the perfect thing is is a quickie. So what on my guess, twenty seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that uh, that's a, that's another podcast. Just you having an orgasm. <laughs> what a podcast! <laughs> what a podcast! I better get more subscribers. Anyway, Borderlands. Then uh, originally it was in, unveiled way back in September two thousand and seven. At some point during its development, it famously changed direction slightly artistically. We'll have a discussion about this shortly when we talk about the uh, the look of the game. Uh, and was eventually released in October 2009 for 360, PS3, PC and OS X. Uh, that was in the US and Europe. It followed uh, in February 2010 in Japan. The development budget was around 15 to $18 million. I've only been able to work that out from the fact that apparently the sequel's budget is 30 to 35 million and it's been quoted as being twice that of the original game uh it sold at least four and a half million units um i think it's fair to say that if uh, darksiders was the sleeper hit of 2010 then borderlands was 
was it is it fair to call it a sleeper hit i think it's a sleeper hit in that at least in that it wasn't one that people were expecting to be any good yeah. or very popular yeah. and then it did better than anyone thought it and was they, they didn't even put a great deal of marketing behind it it kind of it came out there was a little bit of marketing there was obviously like you know the 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 borderlands up box art with you know the bandit blasting mm. artwork out of the other side of his head those posters went up around um kind of london and, and key retail areas but they didn't really push it you know in terms of tv and this no, certainly not as much as they are pushing borderlands 2 it yeah. kind of spread by word of mouth yeah i mean michael pachter actually said that they had sent it out to die because i believe it was out mm. along the same kind of time as red dead redemption and other games which were being marketed like hell well, it was it was in the middle of a really busy Q4. It was October two thousand nine. It had yeah. just it come out just after I believe it's Halo ODST and Uncharted two Modern as well. Warfare two on Uncharted two. Mm. Modern Warfare two was on the way. And Assassin's Creed two out? was shortly afterwards as well. Assassin's Creed two. There yep. was there was there was loads coming out. Uh, there was new Super Mario Brothers Wii. It was it was weird. Two, uh, Q4 two thousand nine kind of repeated two thousand seven. So all the games that came out 2007, so Modern Warfare, Assassin's Creed, Mario, yep. etc., came out the same year. There were so many much, much bigger games than Borderlands. Borderlands should not have worked. Well, mm. I think it was the art style change that did get this game a lot of attention. I think if it, if it had stayed in the, the rage-looking, realistic graphical um, frame, mm. it wouldn't have got the attention it, it got. Uh, but it, the, it would have been bland. Yeah. It would have been bland as hell. Mm. Um, Particularly because it, this only came a year after Fallout 3. People were still reeling from Fallout 3 and, it, and its haunting kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland. And while Borderlands isn't post-apocalyptic, it is very similar in that it's just a, a desert planet and everything is in ruin. It's not post-apocalypse, it's just fallen into disrepair. And it was, I think, you know, at the time, some people were comparing it to Fallout. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, that would have been a really strange kind of juxtaposition, having that kind of graphical style with the humour of Borderlands. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, we might as well, as we're already talking about it, the the look uh, is something, I think, uh, at the time, people likened it to uh, Ubisoft's 13, which was... Mm. Uh, a previous gen game that had a cell shaded look to it now the debate still rages on i've been talking about it even today with uh artistic minded people i know i understand and and randy pitchford of gearbox has come out and said this this game is not technically cell shaded mm-hmm. uh but to all intents and purposes it has a comic booky look i don't know whether it's done with a, a filter overlay I, I think um i noticed uh on youtube there's a uh, a video of the PC version with the um, with some of the sort of graphical effects off, so the the thick black lines around the detail and stuff, and um, it seems a strange one because the frame rate actually suffers if you if you take this away if if the game is um, doesn't have this particular I don't know whether it's an overlay or or what. Darren, did you play? Sorry, Garget, did you play the uh, PC version? No, I got it on 360 because um, just that's the console I was playing at the time. But I heard the PC version was horrendous in terms of uh, UI. Like you had to scroll through the boxes instead of like having a box in front of yeah. you. You had to use the mouse to scroll through it, and it didn't work very well. Yeah, I I picked up um, Borderlands Game of the Year edition um, when it was in a Steam sale. Uh, I'd already played it on 360, but yeah, it, it was a console game and the crappy PC. Port. Yeah, it wasn't so much that it was necessarily a crappy port, but by PC gamer standards, it doesn't have a lot of the stuff they would expect a PC uh, version to have. So yeah, certainly a, a port from a, from the console, I would say. Um, so 
to me, it doesn't look like... I, when I think of cel-shaded games, I think of uh, Wind Waker, Jet Set Radio, and less favourably, uh, Cell Damage and um, uh, Wacky Racers. This game, to me, it, stylistically, it looks more like, obviously this has come out since, is Telltale's Walking Dead. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's the sharp black edges that, yeah. that do it uh, for me, like, when you compare it to The Walking Dead. Um, it, Cell Shaded doesn't really have that kind of on the outline, does it, of the characters? It's, Cell Shaded is pretty much just like, you know, it's a cartoony world without the real thick black marker edges. It's, I'm not very good at understanding what makes them different, but people seem to say that, you know, there is a... I think if we, if we stick with Cell Shaded look or comic book art style, uh, we're fine. But yes, we, we are aware that technically it probably isn't a Cell Shaded game, but we've obviously, this is not to dismiss all the many uh, three-word reviews that we've had that feature Cell Shading um, as uh, as a as an adjective for the game. Um, and it is worth saying, before we talk about our own personal experiences, history with the game, uh, we've had more correspondence for this game than I think any other we've done in, in 50 podcasts you which... must be absolutely bemused leon given given i know you're not the biggest fan some of the games that we've done that are really interesting from many different perspectives and not necessarily had the sort of response we might expect i'm thinking of um sword and sword and sorcery uh, mm. for instance and then mm. this game to get that response um i understand why but i guess the people who aren't fans of borderlands it probably seems uh, surprising to say the least. But we've also had extremely uh, eloquent and vociferous feedback from people who really don't like the game. Mm. So I think it, it for whatever reason, it engenders a, a, a passionate and detailed response. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it seems odd because in a way it's a very sort of simple game. And um, yeah, well, perhaps we can help us and the listeners to understand why. So our history with the game, uh, who, you know, when did you buy it? Uh, when did you play it? How long for? Who did you play it with? Or it, or did you play it solo? Let's start with our guest, James Batchelor. Um, so I got it uh, on launch day. It, it's, I, you know, it's not one that I got sent through work. It was one that I, I decided I wanted to buy myself. And mm-hmm. um, it was weird. I kind of, I knew nothing about this until about September 2009, so a month before release. And um, I, I had, I, I just joined um, MCV. Well, I'd been at MCV for less than a year, and um, in the back of MCV, for those who don't know, MCV is the uh, the video games trade publication for the UK games industry. And in the back section, we have these features called recommenders. They're kind of like previews, but rather than hands-on previews, are this needs work, that needs work. They're very much kind of informational pieces of this is what the game is about, this is who it will appeal to, this is how the publisher is supporting it and marketing it. So. I'd never played it. I'd now I'd seen a trailer, and I was reading on these press releases, and I wrote this piece. And as I wrote this piece, I kind of, in regurgitating the facts and in kind of crafting the article to make it sound like to to you know to kind of sell not sell, but kind of illustrate what the game was. I kind of convinced myself to buy it. Hmm. And the bit that got me was the whole infinite amount of guns. Yeah, so that was the big marketing push, and it still is for the the sequel. I saw, a, so I think it was a semi live action advert in the football the other night. Uh, yeah, they both. I think they've basically re, didn't, they've recreated like the opening cutscene of um, of Borderlands Two as a live action. Oh, okay. And um, they're still saying uh, pretty much. I can't remember the exact wording for the first game, but a bazillion guns comes up. Uh, the, the, this year it's um, this year it's eighty seven gajillion. Oh, okay. Or, right. or it has it is it's it's gorier 
faster and gazillioner. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Which is now a word. For, for the sequel, the uh, the tagline is eighty-seven gajillion dot 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 everything, and the idea being it's not yeah. just the guns; it's everything else as well. No, but it's, it's it's the yeah. the effects the same, stuff, yeah. isn't it? Everything's but procedurally so, generated. But yeah, sorry, James. So so I wrote this article. And I was like, you know what? I've sold this to myself. I want this game, and I bought it. And um, and I explained it to my my housemate. I was living away at the time. And I explained it to my housemate. He goes, "That sounds awesome. I want this game as well." So we both bought it on the same day. We went home. We started up our characters, and we played in co-op. And it was about a year before I played it single player, because right. we would always play just the pair of us. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I fell in love with it absolutely you know, straight away for reasons I still can't quite understand because there's many things in the game that in other genres and you know the genres that it has taken it from I don't like but there's <laughs> something about this formula that I absolutely do so I um, I played it to death for about a year I then just before Mass Effect 2 came out my Xbox um, lost my all of my saves oh. including my level 40 soldier so I started again and I had to play it all over again and so I've played the main game about two or three times all the way through mm-hmm. um, with the same character I've never really explored the other ones and then each time a friend of mine would come over and they'd say oh well, yeah, what sort of games you got I'd wha- you know, whip out Borderlands 2 and I'd say oh you've got to try this it's not Borderlands 2 Borderlands I've got Borderlands 2 on the mind yeah yeah <laughs> the drug's <laughs> already bl- kicking can in. you blame me um I, I I got out Borderlands and said, right, try this. And we do from the beginning to, I think we do up to um, either either the first boss, which was Nine Toes, or to Bonehead. And I've played that section so many times I've lost count because I'd insist on kind of converting people to get in this game. So did you play it in uh, Couch Cop, split screen, or... Um... Uh, both we did um, couch co-op and uh, kind of system link okay Um, I haven't really done like Xbox Live with strangers before I've I've Mm. done Xbox Live with friends but I've never done it with strangers yeah Uh, it's a healthy attitude for Xbox Live and for life (laughs) yeah Um, so uh, and you said to me earlier despite your obvious enthusiasm for the game you didn't really go big on the DLC no I haven't I, I think it's because it because I got held back by having to start the whole game all over again, that I, you know, I bought Zombie Island and I did Zombie Island, mm. and I was really excited for Mad Moxie, General Knox, Robot Revolution. But because I was so behind, by the time I got round to doing those, it's like, well, the hype's kind of gone. I heard bad things about Moxie, yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean, I got I got Zombie Island. And I I enjoyed that, although I only played that six months ago, and I bought. Nox has been sitting on my hard drive for about a year now, and I only got into that like a couple of months ago because I just figured, well, that Nox I've heard is such a massive expansion, I'm never going to finish it. Hmm. And I knew Borderlands 2 was coming up, and I kind of didn't want to overdose on Borderlands before the sequel. Okay. But I do intend to go back and play them, and maybe Robot Revolution. Um, well, hopefully, because I, I, I haven't played past uh, the second DLC, so I don't know if anyone else ha- here has. Let's find out. Mr. Gargett, your history with Borderlands? Yeah, it was, it was a weird one, because I didn't really know about this game until people started talking about the redesigned art style, pretty much like, in the Team Fortress 2 vein. Like, the game sort of disappeared, and everyone's like, oh, it's got a new art style now, and everyone started, you know, talking about it on Giant Bomb and Eurogamer and... I was really intrigued. I was coming off of... Um, I was going cold turkey from a WoW addiction. 
and I, uh-huh. and I kind of wanted a similar experience, <laughs> but with a definitive end and not a monthly recurring payment, you know. Steam. How does a completely shit end sound to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, better than a, a, an infinity end, I'll be honest. Like, playing World of Warcraft is like you never see the, the light at the yeah, end yeah. of the tunnel, but with Borderlands yeah. you had a goal. And yeah, it was um, it was like the the perfect game to come off of a WoW addiction from because you had this the the, the loot addiction there, but you had a you know you had a friend talking to you on Xbox Live, which I didn't really do with our World of Warcraft. It was mainly you know guild people and all that. And yeah, it, it sort of reignited my my social gaming with my actual friends as opposed to me living inside Azeroth for many months and years. It was yeah, it was strange. I then I finished Borderlands with um with the Brit character, the big fat one he punches people, and um I went on to the DLC one, two, and three. I didn't get the fourth one. Um, I don't know why. Hmm. Okay. Uh, James Carter. Uh, yeah, I didn't get this um, day one, but like Darren, I um I started paying attention when they started making a big deal about the change of of visual direction because this had been mentioned alongside Rage and Fallout Three as being one of a vein of of post-apocalyptic games although it's not as we've said post-apocalyptic uh, it had a certain style to it that certainly evoked those two games that that were well Fallout 3 already out and Rage uh, heavily in the press and, and in development at the time um, and the change of art style sort of drew me in and it was I think overshadowed in the lead up to it obviously by we've already said Uncharted 2 but for me also Batman Arkham Asylum uh, and then I ended up playing uh, Assassin's Creed 2 before I got round to this. So it was sort of mid-December, just before Christmas. I decided I was just walking through HMV one day and the, the cover art definitely catches the eye, I think. Mm. Um, and so I, I just it jogged my memory about the game and I picked it up then. And in the 10 days or so before the end of the year, um, it became... Well, we'll get on to how much I enjoyed it, but it became a bit of an antidote to um, the three games I've just mentioned, which Uncharted 2 I didn't enjoy. I thought it was incredibly overhyped. Um, well, I didn't enjoy Strong. I thought it was overhyped. Uh, it was a bit of a letdown for me. Uh, and Batman Arkham Asylum and Assassin's Creed 2 were both great games, but those three back-to-back... Mm. Pole-faced's a strong term, but I wanted something that was fun, something that I didn't really have to worry too much about um, necessarily paying too much attention to. I could kind of get on with <laughs> yeah. the gameplay and just have fun with it. So um, I played it solo, um, and that's how I how I remember the game, although I have played it in um, split screen and also uh, online co-op. But it was a solo game for me, and um, it ticked but different, you, different yeah. boxes to my usual gaming likes because I tend to go for s- story-driven games, but yeah. this... I also like the fact it's got loot and there's always that drive to get more loot and objectives, nice big green ticks next to objectives in lists always yeah. uh, is great. It seems that um, you know this game, whether you enjoyed this game or not, doesn't just come down to uh, whether you played it solo or co-op because a lot of our correspondents have said you know this game is shit in solo and brilliant in co-op, but it's clearly not that simple because that's not everyone's experience. It seems far more to come down to whether that that loop of uh, you know, a small achievement equals tiny progression equals, you know, potential long-term gain. How much that hooks you in, how much that plays on your mind. Uh, Darren Foreman. Yeah, I mean, everyone here has got such strong memories of buying this game, it seems, you know. Um, I'm completely the opposite because I just went into a shop, picked it off the shelf and said, this looks nice. 
And okay. <laughs> basically, I mean, I'd heard about it beforehand, and the loot did appeal to me. Um, I'd seen like the release trailer, and I think I bought it maybe a week after release, so people had been talking about it, saying that it had a good sense of humour, a distinct art style. And basically, as soon as I heard that, I just thought, why the hell not? Fair enough. And did you finish it? Um, finished it and all the DLCs, and I'm pretty sure I finished it on a new game as well. I've always right. finished it twice. Okay. Um, yeah, for me, it was. Uh, I was actually offline at the time. It was I'd just moved, and I had to wait a month to get the internet installed for one reason or another. Uh, so it wasn't the ideal time for it to come out in a way. Um, but uh, I, it, I think it was a Twitter word of mouth thing, as with so many people um, that I did go and pick it up. You know, I do like shooters. Um, I know that I do have that uh, addictive personality when it comes to most things, but loot is one of those things that uh, tickles the endorphins and so I bought it and played it all the way through um, I like many people picked up the zombie island of Dr. Ned um, and then I picked up Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot and that was the last DLC I played can't blame you yeah I think I think quite a few people uh, had that experience we'll, uh, we'll specifically talk about the DLC a bit later but um, as regards to characters and our sort of favourite weapons obviously we you know specific I I don't know about anyone else but I know they all have these different um, manufacturer names which is quite a nice sort of touch but I have absolutely no memory of that to me they are stats and effects Um, I don't know if anyone has any sort of favoured loadouts in terms of what mods they like their grenades or whatever but um, my first playthrough I was a soldier um, which I think uh, people have said since is one of the more dull classes but it does allow you to have a, a, a turret set up with a shield um, which uh, helps distract some of the enemies and various things um, pretty much I I would go to whatever uh, I would swap between whatever guns would give do the most damage so that also has the effect of adding a bit more variety so rather than saying right I definitely like corrosive grenades and I'm sticking to those throughout the game you swap from those to electric to uh, fire and whatever so um, I didn't have a particular I don't have a particularly sort of strong memory of I, what I do remember is I use sniper rifles more than anything else um, and I've been playing through again on the PS3 um, it was the 360 version I had the first time. Uh, it was free recently on PSN Plus, and I've been playing after putting it to Twitter as to what character class I should play to have more fun. Um, it, it came back. Uh, Twitter came back, say either the Siren or the Berserker. I uh, went for the Berserker, uh, won the vote, and um, yeah, I'm finding his his special skill, his super, is. Uh, not that much fun so um slightly disappointed maybe i should have gone for the siren but i'm still finding that i'm using sniper rifles more than anything else i don't know if that's that the game leads you towards that or that just the way i play leads towards that but um anyone else have uh sort of favored character favorite characters styles well and loadouts as for me i mean i initially started off as a soldier myself and uh i found that fun enough you know i mean deploying a turret and then trying to flank the enemies it's good, but it wasn't until I picked a siren that I figured out just how overpowered they are. Okay, uh, what, how does that manifest? Well, the thing is, you can easily put any enemy into stunlock when you're a siren, and um, mm. the way that you can set up the skill trees, it's hard to describe it, but basically, even if you get killed because of the double wind 
um, when you're down, you get a chance to shoot your way back to life. Second wind, Second yeah, that's an unusual feature. Yeah, um, it's an interesting feature as well. It can be a bit annoying mm. if there's no one left. You just yeah. killed someone right before um, it. It's raised its head again in um, Max Payne 3, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Notably. And it's still annoying there as well if there's no one to shoot. <laughs> See, I, I love the second win because like, the the fact that it does give you that chance to get to get back up. Like, if you were close to killing someone and they, they've they've kind of knocked you out, and they, if you get that second win, there's a sense again. It's that kind of small accomplishment. Yeah, I mean that's a thing. And, it, and it, gets it you is hooked. such a fantastic feature. It's just when it goes horribly wrong and the guys behind a wall are just yeah. yes, very frustrating. And your vision I, gets. I, I tell you what, Vision gets darker and darker, so the aiming gets harder and harder. Spoiler alert, Borderlands 2 is exactly the same. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, It was bound to be. It's just like, um, I remember one of my friends was telling me about his uh, Siren Escapades online. You know, like, you can't, there's there's dueling areas in the game, like an arena. Yeah. Um, Very very near Firestone, there's one, isn't there? In one of the first. Yeah, very very close to the first town. Yeah. Mm. Um, And basically, like, he was going up against a berserker who had been hacking. So he was impossible to kill. My friend hadn't hacked, but just he was able to run circles around the guy because he was phase-locking him, stunning him. Every time that he tried to turn around, um, he was already somewhere else. And eventually he got bored after a quarter of an hour of trying to kill the guy and, like, quit out. See, I became um, irritated by the siren because my, my, my housemate who played is the siren. Um, that started to irritate me because that, that, that damn phase-walk that's his main skill that you can you can what's it go invisible and run slightly faster once you've maxed that out and he he was like 10 levels ahead of me by the end because he'd sit at home and play all day and I'd actually be working um, and it meant that whenever we played he'd phase walk dash into the middle of a thing and by the time I've even sprinting by the time I've got into the middle of a bandit camp he's killed everything Hmm. And it does kind of, it, it, they really are kind of overpowered. Yeah, they, they um, totally are. Which is kind of why I purposefully avoided A, playing as it, and B, playing with anyone that was a siren. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the Carter classes in this game have not been balanced one bit. Hmm. Uh, who, what else, uh, what other characters do people play? I mean, I, I played the soldier, um, and I largely stuck to... I, I stuck to the, the preferred weapons because when my housemate and I set out, or like, we said, right, we're not going to argue about loot chests. It's going to be simple. Um, you know, soldier is combat rifles and shotguns. So any of those you get. Um, siren is, I think it's revolvers and SMG. So any of those I'll get. And if we come across any sniper rifles or pistols, we'll just divvy it up and then we can sell half each, etc. So we were kind of, we we're quite civilized about it all. Um, and I, I liked the soldier. My trouble is, like, I, I approached Borderlands as an RPG rather than a shooter mm. because I knew it was very stat heavy. And as much as I absolutely love a good RPG, and I do, I really do enjoy RPGs, I've never been into the whole stat attack side of it. So I've never been a much of a Diablo player where you're getting more and more and more loot and upgrading stuff. And I've never been one for, like, kind of specking my character. Personally, I'm all about the auto level up, etc. Yeah. And that's why I kind of went with Soldier because I thought, well, it's the all rounder, so I've got a reasonably decent chance of, chance of surviving this game all the way through without having to get too in too much into the you know too buried in the numbers. Um, and that's you know, and that's kind of what I did. But you do end up by the end of the game kind of comparing stats on all the guns, etc. But not as much as I would in in it like in like an MMO or. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a really hardcore RPG, like I said, I just I'm not a fan of stat tracking. But Borderlands, for some reason, resonates with me. So I stuck with the soldier because I knew I was, 
I, I at least you know, if I ever get bored of the stat tracking, I've got an all rounder that can survive most most scenarios. Played as the the berserker guy. That he's basically the biggest guy out of all of them. He can um mm-hmm. he literally just punches people to death when he activates his special. Um, I I mainly played the support guys in uh, in games like this where like you know in World of Warcraft I was a healer and in Team Fortress I play as the medic and I like to go for the the kind of guys who help out a situation rather than just shoot things. Uh, so yeah, the brick. I, I spec'd him out so he was basically a tank so he could take a load of damage and then when you activate his special move his uh, his fists explode when they you know when they contact the enemy and by the end game it is so ridiculously overpowered mm, um, yeah. it's it's not really fun anymore like you can well, it's fun in a way that it's just it's mental do you know what I mean you are running through areas destroying people but it's not really it takes away the the danger element of the game and you are literally even throughout the DLCs, you are just running through these areas, activating your um your special whenever you can. I think quite a lot of the classes were like that again, because depending on the skill tree, like so, the siren, the the phase walk meant that you could move impossibly fast, mm. explode with either fire, shot, no, one of the elements every time you kind of rematerialized, and you would heal while phase walking. The soldier, like by the end, by the end, I mean, I I've never really played an MMO long enough to have a role whether it's a healer or a tank or whatever but I think I was a healer in um, this because by the end I, you know, my turret had a radius around it that regenerated ammo and health mm-hmm. and every time I killed someone I got health regen for I don't know five or six seconds and a radius re- appeared around me so anyone standing next to me healed and I got a skill where if I, if I shoot my teammate he heals and yeah. it, you know, it, it became in kind of it kind of impossible to to die. That's you know even with the second wins, like it kind of it became impossible to die. And it means that I've gone into Borderlands Two, which doesn't work. At least you don't have those sort of skills to begin with. Mm. And it, looking at my skill tree, you don't have many of them to later. And it's already a lot lot tougher, and therefore a bit more rewarding. Is that a problem with the game that? Um... You know, you you start out pretty sort of uh, it, because you haven't got any of these special skills. It starts out as what is a very basic shooter and not much more. Uh, well, that's intentional, isn't it? Because um, it's not until you get to level five you actually is it level five you actually unlock your it's level ability. Five, yeah. um, and there's achievements for getting to level five with each character. So, on, uh, sort of like James, I suppose the reason that I got used to getting up to the nine toes battle and stopping mm. there is because i went through with each character up to level five because there's an achievement for it um and up to that point there's absolutely no difference in the characters because they can all wield the same guns um i yeah. think i'm not even sure if brick's got more health at that stage mm. I, I don't i don't think he has um, he's, he's got an ability to regenerate health when he when he fists someone <laughs> punches someone so. yeah but but, that, <laughs> but up to level 5 you wouldn't have that so it really starts out yeah. as a real sort of basic um, shooter but it works as a tutorial because you're right. not really mm. threatened by the and skags you can and, get to level 5 in like less than an hour oh I did it today just from scratch just to see yeah, yeah. like 30 minutes or something um, just ran through the first few areas knew yeah. where all the all the loot drops and chests were and yeah, yeah, I've just been really playing easy. the last couple of weeks, yeah. knowing the show has come up. I'm up to level twenty. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. take that long. Um, um, and yeah, the, you un- I only just unlocked, or only relatively recently, the um, the sort of alien modification or whatever the elemental mods that that I comes am. in later, doesn't it? Those yeah. guns are ridiculously overpowered as well. I remember, <laughs> I never let go of one of those guns that I found uh, in one of the towns. You can 
you can farm these uh, rare chests that are in the rooftops and stuff. You could turn the machine yes, or you could log out Haven, yeah. and log back in again. And these chests were like infamous for having all the best loot. And like people on forums like, have you checked out these, you know, these mad chests in New Haven? And you just keep logging in and out again and you, until you find this amazing gun, which I did, which was like a, sort of like a rail gun, but it fired out this energy ball instead of a beam. And it just, oh, I'd never let go of it because well, why should I? Do you know what I mean? I, I might, might prefer acid bullets, but this gun was just ridiculously good. Speaking about New Haven, one of my friends was basically addicted to this game. It's the same guy that was in that arena fight that I mentioned earlier. And what he would do is get up in the morning and play the game for 10 hours, basically just farming chests for good weapons. <laughs> Jesus. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but uh, he seemed to enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, did anyone ever get their hands on Anarchies? No. The Anarchy so. SMG fires four bullets for the cost of two at once. It rips through an entire clip in about half a second. And this thing had ammo regen. It's the most insanely overpowered thing I've ever seen in a game. As we said, like that that's one thing I, I didn't pick up on, I think was kinda of underplayed. Like the um the names of the guns, I didn't realise this until like browsing through one of those primer strategy guides. Mm-hmm. Um the names of the gun actually give you a hint as to what the gun does and what quality it is. Mm-hmm. So obviously cheap revolver, you know that's gonna be rubbish. But things like shattering mauler, mauler means that it's got high damage, shattering means that yeah means something else shield breaking was, or something yeah. yeah there was another like law means you've got the highest if you've got a vitriolic law or a, a sturdy law you means you've got the highest powered revolver what was the other one there was um I can't I think it's carnage if you've got a gun that has the word carnage in it or, yeah, if you've got a shotgun that has the word carnage in it it means it shoots rockets and I've once got one you of those. pick up on those when you pick up on those and you, you learn how to what, what to watch out for it becomes brilliant like you can kind of you get much more of awareness of, of what gun does what without having to look at the stats, mm. which I thought was a great idea and a great system, but it never really gets explained to you. No, I only I only just really recognised at the end game that Atlas, Dahl and Iridians were like so they're manufacturers, but it took me a little while to understand that they actually got their own specific stats. So you say in the actual names yeah, I didn't know attribute that. to actual things as well, it just went right over my head. I think they've gone yeah. even further with that in the sequel, but we're not yeah. talking about that today. Um, in fact, let's just only... talk about the sequel from now on. <laughs> <laughs> only James can yeah. talk about the sequel. Uh, James Carter, uh, did we establish what character you plumped um, on in the end? Yeah, or have I, you played was... it through four times like some kind of crazy... <laughs> no, no, I haven't. I've, I've um, sort of played around with... Um, Mordecai was my first thought, actually. I was going to ask: Has anyone did anyone play as Mordecai? Because he looked the most interesting. But I, I had him as a backup. But um, yeah, I actually I, got him quite I, high level. But I kind of got walked through the whole game, yeah. and it was really for Moxies because when you die in Mad Moxies, you get put in a little dugout above the arena. Yeah. And the idea was that I would actually snipe enemies while uh, my friend was just killing everything yeah. on set. Does that work? Normally, the the arenas. Are, um, I noticed this. There's there's one of the f- the early boss fights uh you it's fenced off so you can't shoot from outside the the combat the designated area and of course um one of the weird things about this game is it has virtually no sort of physics of any kind i don't think it's got havoc in it um and like obstacles all feel o- obstacles are all solid so mm-hmm. even if it's a fence with massive hole textures in it it's uh, it's, it's solid, solid yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say, so Mordecai was my first thought, um, being the sniper rifle expert, but once I realised that you could wield any gun with any character class, um, yeah. I I opted for Roland the Soldier, simply because playing solo, 
he's got a turret there as his backup. And like yeah. James, by the end of the game, your turret's feeding you ammo and health. You're using a grenade that gives you health if you've happened to have got uh, the that particular spec on your grenade. Um, my shield was regening my health as well. So uh, yeah, on any of the classes, you end up unstoppable by the end, pretty much. Um, until you get to the end of General Knox. Or halfway through Mad Moxes. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 that's true. Too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What was the um, what was the level cap initially? I can't remember now. Uh, I think it's fifty and fifty, and then they upped it to 60, a lot more. Sixty was sixty one originally, and then sixty nine later. Yeah, wasn't there? A, was there a there was there a free DLC or something which upped the level cap before the paid for stuff? Or no, uh, I think I, I think it was it, um, Zombie Island upped it to fifty one. Right. Uh, Nox up. Moxie didn't up the capital. Yeah. Mox, Nox up um, to sixty-one, and then Claptrap. Claptrap must have up to the rest. Yeah. Of okay, it. right. Um, yeah. So obviously we've already started to to touch on it, but that gameplay then. So uh, it's a shooter. Um, yeah. It's got quests like a an MMO or an RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got exploding barrels. <laughs> um, uh, it's very much a, a a game of fetch quests, both main quests and side quests. Now there is a there is a plot, there is a story. After a fashion, uh, you are being guided around by this uh, guardian angel figure uh, who appears to you in in a vision. Um, so the 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 over overall plot is that uh, this planet is being um, harvested for alien artifacts by various corporations. Um, and you are one of a number of people. It's a bit like the gold rush in the twenties in America. Um, yeah. Or was it twenties so, before so that? So what but originally happened was uh, Atlas Corporation landed on the planet um, during winter, and they found a vault that had this incredibly powerful alien artifact in the it. The vault, yes. The, yeah, exactly. Um, then once it came to summer, all of the nasties that lived under the surface of the planet came out and drove Atlas away. Uh, Dal came in and tried to do the same thing and unlock the vault again um, and they they brought in convicts to um, to do the labour on the planet so they were mining it but they were also looking for the vault um, and the Dal Corporation eventually were were um, were driven off planet because Atlas figured that, that they'd found another vault and were coming back with the Crimson Lance to, to have another pop at the planet um, and Dal, as they left, unlocked all the the prison cells and let the convicts out. And that's why you've got all these pockets of bandits around the the um, planet. Now that's not terribly so well is, explained is, to you, to be honest. Well, when is any of that explained? Because I not, have no idea doesn't. about any of that. No. You've got to read. You, you can get bits and pieces of that from the quest text. You can start to piece it together. Yeah. But mostly that's all backstory that Gearbox wrote and never really made it into. By the any game. chance, did they actually write this after releasing the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is, um, like the plot had absolutely no bearing on my desire to continue playing this game whatsoever. That was all about the hooks, you know, the addictive hooks, the loot, the the the, the killing people, and the numbers popping out of their heads. But um, the the actual individual characters, some of them are quite amusing. There's some of the actual writing, the individual speech bites, and there's not a lot of it, and there's not a particularly large voice cast, and they're not particularly well-known. Um, I think probably the most well-known is Colleen Clinkenbeard, who is, uh, does a lot of uh, Dragon Ball stuff, I believe. Uh, she plays Lilith, and of course, most famously is probably David Eddings as Claptrap, but that's his only 
um, his only video game role. Is he actually one of the team or something like that? David Eddings, sure. the author. Uh, no, not the author. No, uh, his own his only voice credits are uh, Claptrap. That that sounds like was passing the audio booth one day and happened to be asked in just to record this. Yeah, uh, it's that type um, of thing, doesn't it? But yeah. the actual. So the characters I thought, you know, include it's all kind of it again. It has this sort of uh, Wild West sort of feel, and yeah, um, yeah I actually I, I I find all that side of it surprisingly likable. Like, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about Claptrap, so let's do it. Um, I should hate Claptrap. He's he's no, everything. Well, he's everything sort of I generally hate in video game characters, but he's actually really quite charming. What about is everyone, does everyone here love love? I like initially Clap found him hilarious, <laughs> then found him irritating, yeah. and then by the time I've, I've like I said, like by the time we got to the end of the game and I came back and played it again, and and yeah, you know, and, and starting the sequel was like actually no, I do find this guy really funny. <laughs> yeah, he, he reminds me of um, the Wallace and Gromit, the very first one with the fridge stuck on the moon. He yes. reminded me of that, but a very animated hyper version. So oh, I was a, in love yeah. a bit. Straight I think away. it was a cooker actually, Des, but. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but... He actually reminds me of you, uh, Claptrap. <laughs> That's because so... I run around saying I'm dancing, I'm dancing. Yeah, that, that, that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyone here in the I Hate Claptrap camp? No, definitely not. No. By the end of the game, um, and and the three DLCs that I played through, I was a bit <laughs> sick of him, so that's why I didn't get the fourth one, because it was all about him, apparently. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> more Claptrap. Um, but it's, yeah. there's all sorts of evil claptraps, aren't there? So it might have, it might well, have been the claptrap army on the, on the loose, the yeah. intergalactic ninja assassination claptrap. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's just basically a revolution. Claptrap is trying to ignite the the oppressed claptrap masses, and uh, that's essentially the entire basis of the story. Was the like well, as I say, I played through the the Zombie Island DLC, and uh, that had a sort of pleasingly different atmosphere. Obviously, d- zombie related DLC was all the craze. Uh, at this point, possibly still is. Um, I d- again, I don't remember any particular plot. I just remember picking up brains, picking up brains, yeah, picking up I brains. Yeah, I did that for ages. <laughs> I don't know why. I think there's an achievement tied to it. <laughs> that was a night that you got an achievement for. I think collecting. I think it was three hundred zombie brains. Fucking hell! What an idiot! Zombie I am. brain. If you shot them in the head, <sighs> oh, why did you remind me of that? I feel really bad. Now. Yeah, I feel like a twat. <laughs> Was it Cletus that was the NPC on the porch near the start of uh, the original game? I uh, don't think he, that's his name. He looks like a Cletus, but is his name T.K. Baha? Yeah, T.K. Yeah. Baha, that's the guy. He's also voiced by David Eddings, who voices Claptrap, and yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, he, he's in a, a very well-hidden area of of the um, zombie island, and mm-hmm. you need to go back to him with X number of zombie brains to get different rewards from him. I don't think it's actually part of the the main quest line, is it? No, it's strictly tied to that one yeah, achievement. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a that's embarrassing. I should never mention that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think once once you're playing this game, if you're not going for stupid, pointless uh, number-related <laughs> achievements in inverted commas with a capital A and without one, then you're probably you're playing the wrong game, aren't you? Yeah. You do get some some decent loot from him for retrieving those brains, if I remember correctly. He oh, okay, yeah, up. that was why he like vomits up guns. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? I forgot well, that, yeah. Sean uh, O'Brien of this very podcast uh, said uh, about this game that um, the explosion of loot when you kill anyone or anything, almost anyone or anything, is orgasmic. It's like a piñata of guns that just pops out. It's mm. pretty It's pretty impressive, and that's, that's the addiction that kicks in then. It's very much like Diablo, 
where you know you hit stuff and stuff just sprays out everywhere and you run around and grab it as fast as you can holding down the button so you hoover it all in and everyone gets annoyed that you nick the stuff and and then you go to, then you go to the shopkeeper and then you spend about five hours trying to pack out the good stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a fair amount of menu wrangling in this game isn't there um, yeah. this this game could badly do with a, an overlay map because you have to go in and out of the map a lot I find because the quest markers on map are hugely unreliable yeah yeah, it, it it sends you birds at birds um, eye or birds as the, bird crow, as the, as the crow flies. Yes. Yeah, as the crow flies, that's the one. Um, so often, yeah, you end up finding that actually you're not going the right way, and you've gone five minutes out of your way in the wrong direction. The one thing we didn't say, as far as gameplay goes, which can lead into this problem, is driving. Um, oh yeah, there are vehicle stations all over the place, and I think a couple of different vehicles, and then more with DLC. Um, and if you follow that little green diamond on your your HUD, you can drive wildly in the wrong direction before you realise that actually you missed a turn off somewhere way back when. And on top of that, the cars are made out of paper, so it's probably going to blow up four miles away. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the cars handle like ours. They they drive in the same uh, with the same fundamental control scheme as the Warthog from Halo, but they don't have anything. They don't have. They have, there's no feel of. Physics, no weight to them whatsoever. No, uh, you can have a rocket launcher or a uh, machine gun or a yeah, probably a minigun variant. Yeah. Um, and if you're playing as a four, you can have two in each vehicle, one driving and one gunning. That you know that becomes a bit more fun. But the the actual uh, steering of these uh, cars isn't great. But and uh, yeah, G- General Knox added a four seater vehicle. I think it was General Knox because the, the one of the very first quest lines is to build the car, build the vehicle, isn't it? So. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. where are we? Um, gameplay. Yeah, the gameplay. Uh, I'm trying to understand why I really liked Borderlands, and it <laughs> that, that is really, the key to this podcast. Yeah, it's weird because it's not about the gameplay; it's about the stuff that you're given to play the game with. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the James mentioned it earlier. James Carter mentioned it earlier. The ticks on the side of the screen—that's a World of Warcraft thing. That that tick, that mm. box for me. I just don't understand why I played it through. Once and then the DLC and then you know I played I must have played for like fifty sixty hours in the end and yeah. I can't really put my finger on why that that that's the thing like it, it borrows so heavily from it, it it's created a, a genre in its own right um as you know as they were pushing the first time around it's a role playing shooting shoot loot that's how they were pushing the first time shooting loot um but it, it borrows so heavily from MMOs and other like if if they ever made a console MMO. I think this is the way they do it because it's got the fluid kind of shooting mechanics of you know, you know things like Call of Duty, Medal of Honor, etc. But it's all based on number crunching rather than mm. bullet detection, um, which is RPG. It's not basically. quite the actual then, shooting does have a little more skill to it than say Fallout Three, though. You do actually have yeah, to aim and yeah. point at the thing you want dead. Yeah, but um, and then and then like just this kind of shopping list gameplay, mm. which it, it's. It's strange. I shouldn't like this, and this game shouldn't work. Like I don't, I can't get into MMOs because. And my biggest complaint with MMOs, like so, um, World of Warcraft early this summer, obviously went free to play to an extent. You know, you can play up to level twenty while free, you know, without paying. Right. So I finally thought, yes, now I need to see what the fuss is about. And I went in and I played, and I was playing it for about an hour, and I got bored because I thought I, I keep on, I thought when you keep on sending me go kill ten rats, go ke- collect twenty of these, go do this, go mm. do that, go do that, and I don't know why I'm doing any of that. The pointing but Borderlands is exactly the same. It must be. It's exactly the it same. It must be the pointing at things and shooting them and making them explode. That, that you know that the fundamentals of a first-person shooter to anyone who 
enjoys those it are you know it it's you know going back to space invaders the simple act of mm. pressing a button and a projectile appearing on the screen and making the thing that you're pointing at disappear is innately satisfying to most video yeah. gamers it's a lot like tetris you know i mean it's like making order out of chaos there's no That's reason it. why you're making things disappear mm. but they have to disappear and you are the man to do them mm. just every yeah, time it yeah. happens you're just like well, hey i made some more lines disappear i'm fantastic but you're hitting down on exactly why I think I like this because, like you, James, I've I tried World of Warcraft uh, a couple of years back, um, didn't grab me at all. And what I put my finger on there as to why I didn't like it was lack of story. I didn't know why I was doing any of these quests. <laughs> and you could argue the same about Borderlands, although I would argue there's there's enough of a story kind of laid out. There's, you want to know who the guardian is. You you want there's, to try and see what's going to happen they are but enough think, to point in the right direction so no. yeah almost although it's it's not enough story for me i, I hope borderlands 2 has more in all honesty i um, think someone knows <laughs> but I, I, uh well, jury's out i've only played like, you know, i've only about three hours into it but yeah from what i can tell you yeah. did that's that's the thing like the um the side quest and, and even the main quest for example like every time you got a main quest you had to read like a paragraph of text before you understood what the mission was. Um, so similar to MMOs, mm. Borderlands 2, you know, all of them are actually voice acted yeah. and, and tell you why you're doing what you're doing. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I see what you mean. Like, the, you know, the, the story is kind of what kept me going. And when I went, I, I, ironically, when I went and played and I played it, the I think it was my third playthrough, I played it on my own mm. without my housemate. And when I'm not distracted by some bugger running off and stealing all the good guns, I was actually able to take about yeah, take a step back and actually understand what was going on. And so you know, all those audio recordings with um what's her name? Tannis. Yeah, Patricia Tannis, yeah. Um yeah, I Patricia Tannis, yeah, I understood those and I understood what was going on, this, that and the other, and I started to understand the context. But it was still kind of it still felt like kind of shopping list gameplay, which in other genres, like uh, you know, sorry, in other titles, so be it MMOs like WoW or Lotro mm-hmm. Or even you know RPGs like um, Dragon's Dogma. I tried playing earlier this summer and I couldn't get into it because yeah. it, it's saying it was telling me go kill ten rats, go to kill ten goblins. Equally, you know, you go on, Leon said like the the shooting then must be what it, what's doing it for me. I'm not a massive fan of FPSs either. <laughs> I don't like COD. I don't like Medal of Honor. The only shooters I don't like shooters where it's you versus um, like an army of trigger happy idiots. I prefer things that are a bit, you know, shooters that are kind of a, a bit different. So things like Far Cry, where you've got to kind of sneak around, or um, or kind of Crisis, where you've got to use all the tactical elements of this suit, etc. And this, because this feels completely different to other shooters. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, this odd mix of things that shouldn't work that when they're put together, they do. I think Randy Pitchford is probably sprinkling your breakfast with heroin before you play it. <laughs> so I'll tell you what it is for me, James, and I don't know if it'll be the same for you, but the story in, in Borderlands, I think you ha- it's a reach to say that's enough of a draw. Um, yeah. But for me, what it is that makes the difference is in an MMO, I don't feel like I have any bearing on the world. Whereas in Borderlands, once I clear a quest, that quest is cleared. I have had an mm. effect on that world. And it's a bit about what, what Leon was saying. You point a gun at something, you shoot it, it has died. You've then got numbers popping off from it, it or critical popping up. You're getting lots of feedback from it that tells you you are doing something in this world. Yeah. I mean, on, t- on top of that, it also feels like you are the center of that world because you're so goddamn powerful. Yeah. Like yeah, you go yeah, into a, a fairly static uh, world and behind you is just a wasteland that you've created. 
You know, I can't help thinking that a more um, like a, a Demon Souls approach would have been fascinating. A, a sort of the game mm. world that you were all sharing with other people, dropping in and out and taking mm. the loot. People you didn't know in that Demon Souls, Dark Souls style, where you have actually you don't have control other than. You I know, think that a lot of games could really use that mechanic. You know, it's bizarre yeah. that it hasn't mm. been picked up by more like competing genres. You know, I think another thing actually, like, you know, you're, you're saying about how you feel like you're having an impact on the world. I think that's what has got me in the the actual impact of your shooting um has got it got me into it in terms of so other loot heavy games so games like uh diablo or you know mmos if you pick up a you know bastard sword plus 21 blah 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 i don't feel like i'm wielding it because all i'm doing is clicking right click and waiting for the enemy to die mm. whereas this if i find a sniper rifle with exploding bullets I'm the one that took that shot. I'm the one that blew up that bandit's head. And you feel much more connected to, yeah, I got this awesome gun and I'm the one using yeah. it. It's not a case of, it's not like the Fallout Vats, like you just point ahead and let it shoot. You are directly unleashing these random weapons mm. yeah. and, and you feel kick ass for it. Like, you know, the, one of the weapons I've got in the sequel, which I won't go into, like, like it just kind of, it's. It's making me feel powerful, mm. but if it was in a, a kind of a typical RPG, I wouldn't be directly responsible for its effects. Mm. Yeah. Um, two things that for me would have improved, like you know, the, all these. Um, obviously, this didn't. It wasn't enough to stop me completing the game the first time and playing some DLC. But two significant issues I think with the the fundamental moment-to-moment gameplay are. While a lot of the enemies look distinctive enough, um, the enemy AI is practically non-existent. Um, there is a lot of walk backwards and fire gameplay. And also the gun sound effects are, I think, some of the worst I've ever heard in a shooter. <laughs> I'd say that comes down to the gun, though, because I'm not, the anarchists do sound pretty nasty. The, so the shotguns sound okay. Uh, yeah. the, the SMG... Uh, sounds like somebody is rattling a spoon in a paint can. It's pathetic. Yeah. It's like clanker to clanker to clanker to corrugated. Yeah, it's shit. The sniper rifle, it's okay, but it's. Um... I actually thought that one was the weakest, personally. You know, yeah. right? It doesn't sound like a satisfying crack when you've heard it. You know. Yeah. Um... But not to make excuses for it, but I think that almost goes with the kind of the cartoony style. You've got these cartoony gun gun sound effects that don't sound quite real. Yeah. I think it doesn't. It were if if it was, I see what you're saying, but I think if they'd stuck with the, say the realistic look, then the atrocious gun sounds would be even more atrocious, right. and you'd you'd really notice it. But because it's all very kind of an exaggerated, humorous world, I mean, even like kind of the you know the 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 kind of the the anatomy of your enemies is slightly exaggerated in some cases, particularly in the midgets and so forth. Yeah, like. It's it all kind of fits. It's it's very much like kind of the the old Indiana the Indiana Jones films when Harrison you know when Harrison Ford hits something yeah. you've got this really yeah. kind of cartoony yeah. <laughs> it's like Larger there's no way life. that yeah it, exactly and I think that's what I wish they'd go gone for. for that though I wish like yeah famously when when uh, Indy fires his revolver it sounds like a cannon going off and that <laughs> yes. was entirely deliberate um, but. It's almost the other way in this. It's like the guns of the, the the noises are are less. They're they're a bit sort of effect, you know. <laughs> the rockets sound incredibly weak. Yeah, it's a shame. See, I wonder how much of that is because they wanted to make the early game guns the the weaker guns. You're terrible to use the the mm. um, descriptive word they do. Yeah. Um, they wanted to make those sound weak, and they wanted to make the strong guns sound strong, but. 
you don't get a lot of time unless you're playing second playthrough and getting on to some of the really top tier weapons. You don't get a lot of time necessarily, and if, especially if you don't find um, one of the more powerful guns with those guns. But I I did get the impression that the better the gun gets, the more resonant perhaps its sound might be. That mm. could be the reason why I'm remembering that most gun sounds were fine because I was going around with some pretty goddamn deadly weapons for a for a very long time, you know. Yeah, but, maybe um, that's it. If the, if the original guns were that weak, because I can't remember them that well, I'd say that was a design flaw, you know? I'm up to level 20 and they still sound pretty yeah. crap. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I would love the revolvers to sound like they do in Red Dead Redemption or the sniper rifle to sound like it does in Battlefield. Um, and they just don't. They sound like they were recorded, you know, with someone in a Foley studio with a wet paper bag and a <laughs> and a and a box of cutlery or something it's yeah. it's just, it's it's limp it's not just the guns that sound a bit weak as well it's the the berserkers exploding fists when you punch everyone the frame rate drops to mm. such a a dark souls at a bonfire rate that is <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous um cuz like you you're, you're punching people left right and center and it will drop to like 10 frames a second and there's so many like decals on the decals on the screen that the game doesn't really know how to handle that on the 360. So I'm wondering if, if the game just needed like an extra sort of month or two polish and maybe that these were placeholder sound effects which does happen like they make some very yeah. bare bones sound effects and maybe because they're working on the game for so long like James Bachelor, you've played the sequel. Have they made the guns sound any better? Um, I didn't really notice how bad they sounded the first one. Like the the, the guns sound similar. Okay. Um, so don't Ooh. expect. I I wouldn't go in expecting like realistic gun sounds. Ooh. And do do skags just run at you? Yeah. Do all the enemies I, just I have, run at you? Yeah. There's a lot of run backwards gameplay. What's London like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's spoil the sequel before it's even out. Good idea. Yeah. Make make friends of the whole internet. Uh, yeah. Um, otherwise, um, now the the intro uh, song is quite uh, fondly regarded. Um, Caged elephant, isn't it? Caged yeah. elephant. Cage the elephant. Cage the elephant. Yes. I, bought, I bought their album on the strength of hearing the, the wow. song in Borderlands. Okay. Uh, is it any good? Wouldn't recommend it. No. Just no. Buy the track if so. you want it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 bought... I was going to buy it myself, but money doesn't grow in trees. <laughs> You're so fired. Um, <laughs> the uh, yes, it reminded me of it. It's it's uh, it sounds a it's a little like uh, Beck's Loser crossed with uh, a track by a guy called uh, Jim White called Handcuffed to a Fence in Mississippi, and not as good as either. But um, people people have a fondness for it. I think uh, a lyrical uh, lyric songs in video games are still relatively uncommon, so I think people tend to uh, it does suit the mood and it suits the. Yeah suits the, the the feel of the game um the in-game i i think one of my favorite things about the the game is the uh in-game ambient audio for each area i think it's really atmospheric mm. probably i reckon that was composed while the game was still uh quotes realistic looking um because it seems to have a slightly darker tone than the the look of the game yeah, Jesper Kidd actually did some of the music on it, which did, um, yes. is a, is a name sense. that people obviously recognise. Darksiders 2 most recently, but uh, you know, se- several other games. So, Yeah, um, there's four composers credited. Uh, yeah. Sasha Dikichian, Chris Velasco, Jesper Kidd, and uh, Ryzon Varna. I don't know who did what, no. um, but yeah, I think I think it's pretty good. And I think I, quite, I, I actually quite appreciate the juxtaposition between the... The, the slightly melancholic 
uh, ambience and the and the and the cartoonish visuals. I've actually got the soundtrack and I listen to it quite regularly, like when I'm driving and so forth. It's, it's got this kind of great, kind of brooding sense to it, and and the mixture of kind of it, you can hear the kind of Wild West influences. Slide in it. guitars and yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's equally, it's got this weird kind of I don't even know how to describe it. This weird kind of quality, a very kind of metallic quality to it that brings to mind kind of futuristic and sci-fi settings it's such a strange mix but it, it's a great soundtrack dusty and gritty mm. um now we are going to we have as i say an inordinate amount of uh, listener correspondence so we will move on to that um and uh, a shed load of three word reviews but um let's just uh cover off that dlc again so see where we got so we mentioned the zombie island of dr ned that was the first one that came out i remember people mm. being infused for that and um yeah even though i have my reservations uh, about borderlands as a game which i'll speak about in my summary um i did buy this so i kind of i kind of hated borderlands um and i quite enjoyed it other than the endless brain collecting but i guess that was my own fault if i was uh achievement whoring um but then i bought the second dlc uh, yeah. So, uh, Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot. Now, I I I enjoyed the 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 uh, the sort of arena fights. Okay, in the game, in the main game, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were quite a good test and indicator of where you got up to. And sometimes you'd be a bit under leveled for them, and and they'd be horrible. And sometimes you'd be a bit over leveled. But uh, playing this in solo was well it, I, I would say it was a non-starter but it, it, it's not a non-starter it's, a, it's about a halfway through stopper yeah they, they don't scale the amount of rounds you play based on how many people are in the level mm. or, or the enemies within these rounds so you'll get about a third of the way through and it'll be like play 20 rounds <sighs> no 20 rounds per area but then there's 5 areas within this one like challenge you're like I'm not playing a hundred rounds on my own <laughs> it's well, even worse I'm not actually that. playing a hundred rounds with anyone and it just it's worse than that because if you die at the end of say round five you go back well wave five you go back to wave one of the previous round yeah it's just bullshit man like they needed to yeah. it needed serious playtesting and um like maybe they scaled the amount of enemies that spawned out because they're like I was actually playing around when I when I discovered this out for myself. I was playing around for about half an hour. I was just getting nowhere on my own. It was ridiculous. It was clearly as well for the the people that were like proper diehard fans yeah. of the combat and and, and the, running the backwards and, and pressing the trigger. Yeah, yeah running backwards <laughs> and firing because, like I said, I've never played it. But I heard my uh, my housemate bitch about it a lot. Apparently, you don't get any XP at all. No. Um, also, you get no guns which, apart from which, at the end of the round. Yeah, that makes that makes no sense yeah, you, to me at all. Like the whole purpose of you've taken the one good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, not the one good thing, but the, but they've vastly overestimated uh, the fun people could have just with the combat, without the loot, and without the other aspects that make Borderlands addictive and you know taking off quests and everything. It's not just that. I mean, people might have been enjoying the game fine, but they're kicking them in the face by having it last for so goddamn long. Yeah, it's so incredibly tough. Several hours and then for each of the three ha- challenges, yeah. isn't it? there's a way you can glitch it if you go into a game with someone at level 1 and they're hosting um, I believe that's the method and all the enemies will be at level 1 you can go in at level 69 with all your amazing gear and it still takes about an hour and a half yep insane and that's just for one challenge and then you have to yeah 
Yeah, and, and also, and also the level one character. I because I tried this. I thought, right, I'm just going to blitz through this um, to get the loot and to get to the end. So I did it um, with second pad just sat next to me. So no one playing it. Just it was on a. It's not level one. It has to be level five before you can get there because you need to get fast travel. But um, yeah. So with the level five character just in the spawn in the middle, and if they die, you obviously get reset to wave one of the previous rounds. So it's a tough pill to swallow to try and play that remotely either on your own a or a fantastic like example of how not to do DLC uh, don't play this play Williams Smash TV instead the the it's reason people ended better. up getting it and just not actually playing it of course and is because they gave you the lockers to put weapons in and people needed space yeah, to store the, the weapons they yeah. wanted so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the, that. the other interesting thing is I'm pretty sure that that's the way they kind of they hyped this particular DLC before release, which was to say that it was basically Smash TV Store meets it. Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sure Smash TV is words. absolutely awesome, and uh, the true spiritual successor to, successor to Robotron 2084 and Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot is shit. I'm so. not a fan of the the way they marketed these that are this specific um, DLC because it's all based on Mad Moxie. I like and Mad Moxie. Watch, She's quite amusing. I like her as a character, but yeah. it's just the fact that her tits were hanging out at every opportunity. That's why I like her. Um. <laughs> That's pretty much a guaranteed uh, likability factor in Darren Foreman's book. Um, I, you know, we talked a lot about people's tits hanging out in the uh, Metal Gear Solid podcasts, um, but it seemed more appropriate in this uh, cartoony, uh, silly, over-the-top world than it does. This magical Thunderland. <laughs> magical it was just misleading because like, that was that, you know that was really fun to look at, and then you played the DLC, and it was like, "What you're doing? It's such a contrast of quality." I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, so I don't know about uh, how many other people, but anecdotally, I get the feeling that I wasn't the only one who stopped at this point. And regardless of it, how it good... is an absolutely atrocious DLC that yeah. can absolutely kill your enthusiasm for yeah, not not so much the entire game as a whole, but it can absolutely shatter your belief that they can make good DLC for this uh, series. Yeah. It did. It was and that bad. If you don't un- know what you're getting into, yeah. then that would have been a shock, and you would have thought, well, why would I give you another X hundred Microsoft points for the next piece Precisely. of DLC? And that's, and that's a strange thing, because I, I still think that the, the DLC for Borderlands is some of the best DLC that's been made in uh, yeah. certain cases. Two of yeah, them okay. are fantastic, and two of them are... One of them's average, and one of them is really, really shit. <laughs> so, uh, I never got as far as, because I'd been stung for 800 MSP or £6.80, don't know what it is, obviously nowadays you can get the entire package with everything, Game of the Year edition on Steam or, or digital or on a disc for very little money. Um, I avoided the secret armoury of General Knox, uh, how, was this, how did this one fare, anyone who played it? I've only played like the first hour, um, and... I, I mean, I, I was getting into it, but I kind of held off. Like I said, like I kind of held off knowing that two was coming out in a yeah. couple of months. Um, my housemate though would play this over and over and over and over again because he said, like you know, like the the size of the expansion was it was huge. Like you, oh. you basically got like it was like a th- the the overall area was about a third of the main the original game. Um, and of course, you could keep farming. There were two missions. There was the raid on Cromorax, and then there yeah. was a raid on a I, th- I want to say a Lance Corporation. Um, base at the end mm. that you could keep raiding for the pearlescent weapons which was the, the like the best ones you could yeah. get 
It also let you. Was it? Albert? Was it Nox or was it Moxie that actually allowed you to store weapons? It was Moxie. Kind of, that yeah. was Moxie. No, 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 but it, it, yeah, and I, my understanding was Nox was great, and I downloaded it, it fully intending to play it, but I kind of ran out of time, so I'm gonna have to go back to that another day. Yeah, yeah. I did really enjoy Nox as uh, as a DLC. Um, it was yeah. quite intimidating at first because the the enemies were a lot higher level than I was, and I was dying like. Uh, I think it was the only point in the game other than the, the very start of the game that I was actually dying and getting frustrated on this long highway <laughs> like I'd, I'd drive my shitty car down a highway it'd explode and I'd just be stuck in the middle of this highway just miles away from anywhere I just remember running down this motorway for uh, I don't it's know how a long, long it felt highway. like forever yeah. oh man I was there for ages and uh, but I managed to grind it out and um, find a fast travel location which allowed me or another catch a ride station so that I managed to get another vehicle and I did pull my way through the beginning bit, which is a bit of a chore. Um, and I think that was largely down to General Knox himself being such a great character. Like he was really funny. Like he'd pop up on the, um, the you know the the echo next the communication. Audio, yeah, there we go. The audio diary nonsense, and he, he was just hilarious. And if I wanted to see more of him and how his story panned out, he just sounds so depressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually a, a direct response, which is something that apparently Gearbox have taken into account for Borderlands Two as well. To the fact that in in the main game, people kind of felt like there wasn't an antagonist for most of it. You were trying to find the vault, and sure, towards the end, uh, Commandant Steele uh, is is your antagonist, and then obviously the Destroyer, and you've got bosses along the way. But people kind of felt the absence of an antagonist. Yeah, um, it's yeah. it's it's not constant, and they, they just kind of pop up for short for uh, short periods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So General Knox was supposed to be that a little bit. Which is which is why he was sort of ever present through. Yeah, and we've got Handsome Jack in the sequel. So. Exactly. Yeah. So they're really pushing the whole Handsome Jack is the villain um, thing. Although I haven't worked out why yet. <laughs> All will become clear in time. And uh, finally, then March two thousand and ten um, was the last final bit of Borderlands One DLC, Claptrap's New Robot Revolution. We've touched on it. Uh, who played through it? What was it like? No, it, it was fine, but it wasn't as good as General Knox's armory. Um, there wasn't the same amount of extra content in it, not the same amount of extra enemies, and it had one of the most bastard boring achievements I've ever seen in a game. Which is? Um, it's like there's been a party. With, at the the Claptraps have had this party, and you've got to pick up about 9 million bits of pizza, like underwear, <laughs> just all this crap. Oh, and so much shit just doesn't drop from them. You know, you've got to kill all ah. these little Claptraps running at you with boxing gloves. And it's the only achievement in the game that I grew bored of and stopped before getting uh, the entire amount. And that's from a man who completed Mad Moxie. That's uh, that's quite a damning. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was that bad. It's um, it, it seems to be different for everyone, but I mean, like I, I, yeah. I went online to see if I was doing something wrong, and this guy said that it took him twenty hours for one of the pills underwater to drop. <laughs> at which point I said, "Okay, <laughs> FTS, I'm out of here." Yeah. I didn't pick this up. Um, it felt like, although I don't think it was, it felt like it was a bit later. It was a bit longer gap between uh, General Knox and that than it had been the other DLCs. But yeah. the reason I didn't was that General Knox, um, as Darren said, it gets quite a bit harder and it introduces new enemies, which are great. And I quite liked the fact it was harder, but I knew, because people were talking about it, that in the distance was this sort of great shadow of Cromorax and being able to beat Cromorax solo is just never going to happen, and I wasn't playing with I've, anyone. I've got a video so, up of me doing it with a siren. 
I, you realise I hate you in so many ways, and not everyone hates me. <laughs> this is this is what Darren does. He yeah, beats exactly. monsters that you shouldn't beat uh, in ways you shouldn't beat them. But because I, I didn't fancy trying to do that myself and didn't have anyone around who I knew was playing the game, um, I I didn't finish General Knox, and so I thought I'm not really gonna plump for yeah. Claptrap. It's interesting as well, because so, everyone yeah. seems to have jumped out before um, Claptrap's Robot Revolution. Yeah. But that is actually the the definitive uh, the definitive epilogue to the game. Mm. Yes, because yeah. of course at the end of the game you realise that the Guardian is a satellite out in um, above Pandora and a signal is sent to down to yeah. Claptrap who you, who's been helping you along the way, isn't it? So and people bloody love Claptrap, so yeah. I'm surprised he becomes the interplanetary ninja assassin at that point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it all goes full circle, and you actually end that, that DLC in the same place that you started Borderlands 1. All right. It all goes back to the place you jump off the bus. So everything is circular, you know? Mm. I guess it's testament to just how awful Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot was that uh, <laughs> it yeah. put a lot of people. Yeah. I think so. I think what we'll do now is we'll take a wee break and come back with a raft of listener correspondence which we will use as a jumping-off point for further discussion.
So as previously stated, we had a huge amount of correspondence relating to Borderlands. Uh, interesting stuff, I think. And um, what we'll do is we'll go through them, read them out, and uh, please, any of you, just jump in if you have anything to say, if anything springs to mind as regards to what our correspondents are saying. Uh, these are all from our new forum at Cane and Rinse slash forum. Uh, it's extremely busy and extremely friendly, so come sign up. Dom's Beard says, I've played this for over 60 hours in local split-screen co-op with my missus and loved every minute of it. Arguments we've had over shotguns and the fact she refuses to use her special powers used to have us in stitches and you can't beat the mad dash to revive a fallen teammate I think you have to play this game in co-op to get the best out of it I couldn't imagine playing it on my own as the large areas would seem quite sparse for one person slight, slight criticism I have is the fact you need to load between areas which breaks the immersion and the story is forgettable the DLC is largely excellent apart from the Thunderdome PS, hope none of you say you hate Claptrap there is one thing I'd like to say there. I forgot to mention it earlier, but I have not played... Well, I've played it and shot bosses in co-op, mm. but the majority of the game was done solo. And the problem I found with the co-op, unless you're playing all the time with someone, is that if you take a break for a day or two, they're usually at least 15 levels ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about this. The, the how, how, does it, how does it work? How does it stack? Because it's drop-in, drop-out co-op, and I mostly played this game solo as well. Um, I did play some a couple of... Uh, sessions each of a few hours of co-op enjoyable as most co-op games are um, but the leveling is is quite weird isn't it it's okay I was just going to mention that this could easily have been avoided if there was a an auto level option for someone coming in where they they could possibly get the same loot and all the rest of it but at least they would be at the same level as the person they were joining in with and even if they didn't mm. keep that level because obviously it's a, sort of a false level just a temporary one that could have sidestepped a lot of the kind of criticisms I had of the co-op. So how does it work as regards to the level of the enemies and... Because as I remember, if you jump in a game with somebody who's five levels above you, you get the same XP as they're getting. Uh, you get you get a high level of XP for the monsters that they're killing. When when you go into co-op, the, all of the levels... Uh, sorry, all of the enemies are made slightly higher, but therefore the XP is made higher and the loot that you get, you've got a greater chance of getting more rare loot. If you... It kind of unbalances it. If you... If you're roughly the same level, it's not a problem. It's it, it's doable. If say I am ten levels behind you, Leon, and I'm in your game, the enemies are at your level. You at your level, but scaled up because there's two of us, which means they're slightly tougher for you, and they are impossible for me. But equally, if you were to come into my game and I was ten levels below you, all of the enemies are scaled up so they're slightly higher for me but they're still like one shot kills for you you can just look at them and they die so it's a waste of my time because i'm getting one xp for per kill yeah yeah. exactly and it kind of unbalances it which which is a shame because like like i said i used to play with um, my housemate we were playing through solidly all the way up to kind of uh around about like kind of the i think i think it's the the wasteland west or the the I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, what it was called. Like, but it, it, we're about halfway through the game, and that's when he started getting ahead of me. And he started getting bored because he was getting uh, easy kills. But equally, I couldn't play in his game because I was just useless. Yeah, and I mean, on top of that, it's um, the player that's behind will be getting all that extra XP. So, like, when I was playing with a friend of mine, he wanted Mordecai as a backup, and I didn't have one available. So, he stuck on his max level Carter and kind of. 
leveled me up just by killing enemies in something like 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. It took for me to reach max level, you know? So you can you can level up quickly, but it, it also breaks your own game because if you go back into your own game, you're suddenly way harder than you should be at that point in the game. Yeah, Because uh, yeah. what happens if... if if the gap in levels is too great, what it does is you don't get any story progress, is that right? Something like that. It does actually, if the gap is too great, mean that you can't... Um, oh, I didn't know that. I know, I know that if you've... Um, if you're in a, in a game, because you get a lot of XP for completing quests, if you go into someone's game and, you're, and they're doing a quest that you've already done, mm-hmm. it, it, it knows you've done that quest, so you don't get XP when they finish it because yeah. you've already had that XP. Yeah, it's it's quite a strange system, uh, it has to be said. But it does mean that, as Darren says, you can very quickly level uh, a co-op player who is new to the game if if he's playing alongside someone who's obviously... Is that what they want, though? Don't they want to go... Isn't the joy of the game going through your levels one by one? And... It would feel more about the journey than the destination for this in co-op, I would believe, you know? It's interesting that a lot of people have said to me that... Uh, this is one of those games where the co-op is as much about the social as it is about the game uh, and and these are a lot of the same people who say that they can't imagine playing it solo. Uh, for me if I'm playing a co-op shooter I want to play something that's way more interesting than this uh, and dynamic but like Left 4 Dead or Battlefield as a squad. However if you're looking for a social game to play uh, online with friends or even locally, I guess, and and still have time to chat and, you know, chew the breeze, whatever. Um, this is probably a better bet because in something like Left 4 Dead or Battlefield, you don't really have time to do anything other than panic and swear. Um, another thing that uh, Dom's beard mentioned there, I think, is worth mentioning. Uh, I don't know how this is on the PC. Maybe this is one area where the PC version is a lot better, but the loading times between uh, areas transitions are, are pretty bad, even on a fully installed. Uh, 360 disc or PSN version of of uh, of the game. Yeah, I don't recall much of the loading problems. I think that's because me and my mate were just Bullshit laughing around. around too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a lot of just chit chat. And so when I when I was, like I say I'd play with my housemate, he'd installed it on his Xbox. I hadn't, and he's going, "Oh, you really should install it because you know the the loading times are much much faster." I honestly didn't notice. Yeah. I installed it, and I honestly did not notice much time. I, we're talking about like he loaded in like two three seconds before I oh, did. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember them being reasonably long, but they didn't bother me for some reason. I don't remember no. being like bored waiting for the next they're thing not, to load in. They're not the worst, but uh, but. I think they they will bother you if you're doing a quest where you just have to get into a new area, pick something up, and then come back again. Or if you yeah. if you happen to go into a new area when you didn't really want to, and you turn around and come straight back out. If you start getting two or three loading screens one after the other, you'll suddenly realise you haven't played for a couple of minutes, and that might be a bit yeah. frustrating. But also, and I don't know if this is specific to the PS3 or because I can't remember the 360, or whether this is, it might even be specific to the download downloadable version on on PS3. But when you do enter a new area, it takes a noticeable while for the high uh, quality textures mm. to come in over the graph. When you first arrive, everything, the scenery, the gun that you're holding, and and whatever is all, you know, that, that sort of blurry, fuzzy hasn't resolved itself into the Same highest quality. Same yeah. yeah. That's part of the Unreal, Unreal 3, 3 engine, engine, I would assume. Yeah, it's the Unreal 3. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but yes, not a deal breaker, really. Uh, but I guess the combination of the two things don't 
don't aid immersion, let's say. Wizard of Odd says, I initially really liked it. The setting, the graphics, sound, everything. It was a lot of fun. As I put the hours in, I kept on thinking that the missions would start to get more interesting and varied. They didn't, and I eventually gave up after about ten hours. The complete lack of a decent storyline was what killed it for me. I get so little time gaming these days, I need a story to keep me playing, a reason to carry on. Just playing something for fun isn't enough anymore, as backwards as that sounds. I kind of know exactly what he means. Yeah, um, it's, not, it's not backwards at all. I mean, if you're looking for something more than just a throwaway bit of fun for ten minutes, you do need to feel so you've got something out of the experience as a whole rather than just a bit of enjoyment, you know? This is exactly why. We, you know, we have James Carter on this show. Uh, we had recently had a conversation about how, James, you just can't get on something with something like Just Cause 2 because, yep. you know, the plot is so appalling, the characters yeah. are so abysmal. Um, but that, the voice acting know, is so great. The voice acting is amazing. <laughs> Um, but for me, you know, you can have that. That is a sandbox game. You can play with yeah. with with the environment, with with the with the funny people. You can attach mm. them to rockets and blow them into space and whatever. And that's that's where the fun comes for me. And you know, flying cars into rivers and whatever. Yeah. Um, Borderlands, you can't really. I mean, there is a certain amount of of sandboxy gameplay. I suppose you could you could argue with the with the effects on the weapons and that, but it surprised me what I'm trying to say, what I'm getting to is that it surprised me that you were compelled to play this through when you seemingly normally are so motivated by narrative above other things. Uh yes, yeah. Um but I think um during that conversation um myself and uh Josh Garrity obviously erstwhile um Kim Rincer. Not a fan of Borderlands. Not a fan of Borderlands but but um we we talked about maybe we needed the objectives in in uh, games and we felt like with something like Just Cause 2 it's a sandbox but you don't have an objective there's no structure and there's a billion objectives in that game for instance <laughs> and not not that we're here to talk about that game but yeah. it's to it's to blow collect up. everything and blow everything up basically. yeah make chaos yeah but for, probably for a similar reason why I didn't enjoy Red Faction Guerrilla as much as other people. Hmm. just blowing everything up doesn't feel like a structured objective to me although it is in as much as Borderlands is Borderlands you're just but, killing everything yeah right? but in, in Borderlands it felt like there was a structure there and I can't really explain it anything more than that than to say that it felt like I had a some kind of target there right where yeah I'm not I trying to make you yeah. justify yourself I'm just trying to actually understand yeah, how gaming yeah. different games work for different people because yeah. um, you know when it comes down to it you know you, you, you see these Twitter conversations mm. about any game and you know because it's the internet and because people are people yeah. you, you have these ridiculously polarised conversations mm. that game is fucking shit that game is so boring <laughs> that game is awesome that game yeah. is amazing and of course it comes down to such fine things that, are, that tickle our own personal let's face it uh, it probably comes down to the mood you're in when you sit down to play it as much as anything else so there's a lot of that yeah yeah um but yeah it's it's interesting to me that the hooks that would work on someone like you in borderlands just you know they aren't there aren't in there just cause games, 2 yeah. whereas whereas yeah. for me they're they're very kind of similar um but mm. actually i i get on slightly better with just cause because the de- the destruction that you can wreak is more obvious and more sort of satisfying but yeah there you go mm. magic joe f says, the great thing that Borderlands did was make drop-in, drop-out co-op work as easily as it sounds like it should. The quest tracking, experience and levelling always worked well from game to game. 
and I always felt I was progressing my character. I also played the whole way through the game with a friend that lives abroad and it was a great way to keep in touch with the just one more quest approach to progression. I did have a couple of problems with the game though. It seemed rather an empty place if playing alone and did rely on having other people with you to make the most of it. Also, for a game so heavily loot focused I sometimes felt the gear progression to be a little slow, often playing for several levels with a weapon before finding something new. I'm hoping in 2 they scale that a little better uh, to keep things fresh. It did miss with the story, too, which is a shame, as the character design and style of the game were excellent. I did find the DLC enjoyable, though, except for the awful Mad Moxie content. <laughs> Recurring themes here. Uh, so he says the, the drop-in, drop-out and the levelling work well, but I, maybe that comes down to sort of... I, th- I think the fact that you can actually just... Someone can just drop in and drop out, like, that that bit's fine. You, you doesn't It doesn't take much to get connected and certainly like you said like the fact that you're progressing your character every time you do play like even if you're playing with you know in in an area where you're just getting killed all the time because the stuff is too high at least you have made some progress you've got something to take away from it rather than that was a waste of my time yeah sure Chunky Monkey says I instantly fell in love with the cell shading and the sci-fi theme the opening credits and introduction made a nice change and meeting the claptrap off the bus set the tone for the rest of the 200 plus hours that I have spent in Pandora throughout the first run through I never co-opt with anyone and I have to agree that the areas feel empty with the enemies arranged in clusters around the map there does seem to be an awful lot of fetch quests, and towards the end I had out-leveled the enemies, so it became more run-and-gun. The voice acting in the script in the game is exquisite. Memorable catchphrases and so many funny moments. Each boss has its own cutscene, which I found fun and refreshing, although they soaked up rounds like sponges in comparison to the normal enemies. Yeah, yeah. the, the, bosses, in the, the, the bosses in this game aren't anything spectacular, specifically the last The last one, boss um, is, is, is a joke. That's all they are. They're just bullet sponges, you know. That's a perfect. uh, What I think he's referring to, though, is is the the human character bosses and the sort of splash screen intro you get for them um, with the cutscene leading up to it. They've got a lot of character to them, but actually, when you start fighting them, you realise there's not much more to them than. They've got the same AI as everyone else. Uh, They're very, very forgettable bosses. When you think, like, when, when you say bosses, you know, it brings to mind, like, you know, previous bosses and things like. The Zeldas, the, mm. the Final Fantasies, you know, kind of, and, and games that have like very, very strong bosses. And here, like, you know, for all the splash screen and all that, and the one I remember is Nine Toes, obviously, because that's kind of the first yeah. one. But beyond that, I don't really remember them. And, and like I said, I, I've gone through the, the game three times, yeah. <laughs> and I'll still get to bosses like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot this bloke. That's the thing. I mean, it's not AI, it's AS, you know, it's artificial stupidity. They're just ironically not here. Or the fair in the same way all yeah. the time. They're just they're there to get shot and to yeah. shoot at you and veril at loss. And I think the thing is, your tactics never change. You find somewhere to cover behind. Um, I'm specifically thinking of um, the not Mothrak. What's the one I'm thinking of? It's about halfway through the game. Rackhive. Rackhive. That's the one. Thank you. Um, and you just hide behind a rock, peek out, shoot it. Hide behind the rock again, peek out, and it's not really got anything. Mem- that was the most disappointing yeah, boss for yeah. me, because like that that I remember I remember seeing that in a trailer. There was they did do a trailer that showed off like the creatures of Borderlands, and it goes from everything from Skags to the rack hive at the back, and just parading through Firestone. And I remember looking at the rack hive, thinking like, is this massive element thing that fires racks out of its back, which. You know the racks, regardless of how good a level you are, and regardless of whether or not you can take them down the hit, they just they're really irritating. 
in that they just constantly you know swarm you and I thought this guy's gonna be a nightmare and he was down in like two minutes because he's just he's what he's I think he was the only boss I I I I played against that the the weak point was really obvious it's like oh, okay I'll just shoot the eyes and then shoot it and it's dead yeah, the final boss experience for me was uh, pretty much stand in one place, and mm. I was, yeah, just sta- pretty much static. I'm pretty sure still. that I stood in place out in the open, and I was still fine. <laughs> yeah, the um, <laughs> I, I think I think what it is, what I guess what I mean is that the splash screens and sort of little the little comments They're more memorable you, than the actual fights. Yeah, yeah. it's not this, there's a yeah, little gag, isn't there? In it's, each one. it's the fact that there's humor there, and it builds into the humor of the game, and that's yeah. the memory you're left with. Is is the style and the character of the game rather than necessarily the gameplay or you know anything like that or anything about who the bosses are and and what they mean in terms of the story because they're just there to be killed they're put in front of you to to be downed and then collect the loot from them and that's it really could the designers have done more to make the quests more varied and interesting or does it matter uh yes yeah absolutely you can always make a good thing better and that would have been one of the ways to do it do you think they're good as it stands? I mean, there's a lot of toing and froing and fetching. I think and... they're enough. I mean, in themselves, they're not interesting, but it's something to do while you're progressing through the game. Yeah. Right. Anyone else have any strong feelings or ideas as to what perhaps they could have done other than go here, kill this, collect that? No, I can't think of what. No, we're not designers. The but... game, what, what mechanics the game had left that lent themselves to quests and so forth, because ultimately it would all have been about flipping switches picking up objects and, and killing certain targets they kind of they covered all the bases but I think because they did it so frequently mm. so you had so many you know fetch these quests you had so many kill this person quests you had so many activate these switches quests that that's why they seem repetitive if there were fewer of them but then if there were fewer of them the game would be shorter what I would say is that th- there's clearly room for more diverse quests I would say the NPCs are all just sat in a place, be it a toilet or a beach chair or in a in a yeah. doctor's surgery. They never go anywhere. You're never doing anything with them. You're never actually interacting with them. You walk up to them, press use, you get a quest, you accept it, you go off and do it. There's no interaction with NPCs, really. For a game that's about killing, and it's about a lot of killing and a lot of useless guns, and so, you know, sorry, not useless guns, um, random and different types of guns, there could have been more quests that required different approaches. So, like, I don't know, rather than just go and kill these bandits, kill these bandits with fire. Yeah. Rather than, yeah, something like yeah. that. Or yeah, snipe someone from a nearby hell. Yeah, from distance. Sort yeah. Of thing, yep. Yeah, mm. yeah it would be interesting to see. Uh, I guess you won't have much of a sense at this point, James B, of the sequel, but... I mean, my... there is There is one side quest I've done which kind of raises you know, it, it improves my faith it gives me gives me hope for it spoiler alert um, it's just it's just a tiny tiny side quest but there is a quest where you are asked to go and collect fur from a creature mm. and the only way to do that is to deal to deal the killing blow with a melee attack uh-huh. so you can kill so you can kill them however you you can shoot them and however you like 
but you have to deliver the killing blow with a melee attack, otherwise you don't get the first. That sounds very much like... I can imagine there being uh, d- definitely more of that where you have to kill something with a with a with one of the electrified guns or something like that. Yep. So yeah. uh, that means that you're going to have to manage your loot a bit more carefully rather than just keep the stuff that's got the biggest guns. You're going to have to actually think about um, mm. having weapons of all varieties range, and grenade yeah. mods rather than just selling all the old shit. And what, I, what I've heard from reviews, rather than my own experience of 2, is that there are enemies that are almost immune to certain elements mm. so you do and, and and vulnerable to others so you do need like one of each and yeah. you do need to kind of mix it up a lot that's more of an rpg thing make... isn't it that's the kind of thing you yeah. expect in a jrpg almost yeah okay that could make Good. it more interesting mr nicey says a friend and i have couch caught through every damn mission and dlc took us three years but it's been an utter blast I must admit that it has its grindy, samey mission feel throughout, but nothing that a lot of MMO players would sniff at. The art style and fun, easy play style was a winner for me. Robotic Monkey says, It will be, for me, one of those games that I'll always look back on fondly. It certainly does scratch the itch for a large FPS-stroke-RPG-style game. Janky gameplay aside, it had fun by the bucket load, pleasant-looking graphics and suitably atmospheric music. This is a game world I was happy to get myself lost in. Now, we get on to the uh, the tasty stuff. The dark side of this podcast. <laughs> this is a really... I've, I thought this was absolutely fascinating and a great piece of correspondence for us Mick says you would think that my earning the platinum trophy in Borderlands would be an indication that I really liked the game I didn't I utterly loathed it and earned the platinum out of spite in my experience (laughs) Borderlands was a boring drab droll monotonous boring technical mess 30 hours of walking backwards and shooting yippee every time a battle should have been interesting the boss stroke mini boss stroke random bad guy would glitch get stuck on geometry or otherwise ruin my entertainment over and over and over again it got so bad that I actually just phase walked or whatever Lilith's skill was called through the entire last level so I wouldn't have to actually play most of the time when a game is revered I understand why even if I don't share the love in the case of Borderlands I remain entirely baffled is he a reviewer or I don't understand <laughs> I'm lost with the platinum it's fascinating earning. isn't it it's like giving yeah. a homeless guy money just to spite yourself because yeah. you don't think he deserves it I'm not sure the best way to spite Gearbox is to go and get the platinum I mean <laughs> maybe the best way to spite Gearbox is to buy the sequel just really sock it to them you know <laughs> I guess he didn't go for the DLC. It's fascinating though because like, it is very well done. It's just that one bit that I didn't actually understand. Mm. Uh, very well argued, not very well done. Yeah, no, sure, I know what you mean. Um, but I think you know uh, something can be compulsive or addictive even without being good for you. You know, enjoyable, and that's actually you know something I'm going to come come to in my summary yeah um, it's, it's fast food or a blockbuster film or you know it's it's not necessarily high art but hopefully we've managed to show or say a little bit about what it was that appealed from borderlands yeah. to us and maybe that's helped make understand a little bit why some people might hold it in high regard because th- there's not much i don't think there's anything he says in in fact other than than earning a platinum out of spite that i can <laughs> I, that i would in any way disagree with i think yeah he's, he's he's spot on it's you know all his complaints are perfectly legitimate i would say mike leddy uh says i'm going to have to echo mick's sentiments on the game 
the one element of the game that has stuck with me has been the ridiculously long loading screens and despite the Mad Max influence it literally has barren wastelands. I loaded up my save from years back with the new PSN Plus download version only to take around about five minutes to even see an enemy. See that depends on the, the areas yeah, in because some, some of the areas like, like the certainly the the beginning area so Firestone the first city like if you ventured out of that that town the moment you did you were beset by you you were set upon by skags and bandits who every single time you left that town spawned from nearby yeah so with a slight with a variation where, though, the respawns are very they don't get harder but they mix no. up a little bit yeah but there were points where you were constantly tripping trigger points um, and if you were just trying to get back to a, a van, a, a vending machine or something, or, or anything that can you know heal you up, that got quite greater. Yeah, especially once but, you're no longer getting XP for stuff. Mm. Delby 2K is uh, more on the positive side of the fence. The most insanely addictive yet mechanically simplistic shooter I can remember. Probably the most enjoyable grinding I've ever had the fortune to play because for me that is all Borderlands is. A series of scenarios where you massacre midgets and monsters to gain XP. (laughs) Weird ass weapons and that satisfying series of digits that fly out of the enemy's heads. The promise of levelling up and extra abilities was the reward for all this and the joy of seeing the special colour emanating from the ground to signify a rare item made it all worthwhile. Somehow it was always entertaining, with a pitch-perfect feedback loop that encouraged continual play, because all you wanted to do was find the next crazy weapon or activate the next awesome ability. If you really examine it, I think the actual moment-to-moment gameplay is tremendously basic, almost dumb in many respects, but like the best loot drops, the simple truth is you do not care about the mechanics, it does not matter, it is the simple process to get to the good stuff. The vehicles were a right pig to drive, mind you. It's quite interesting, like, was it whenever you whenever you get a new weapon that kind of adds to the kind of the one more go one more go yeah. like the quest you think oh I'll just turn this quest in and it usually leads to another one and likewise like the weapons if you get a new weapon you think well I'll spend another five minutes or so on just because I want to see what this thing does if you get to the end of a quest and you've got a a revolver with a new zoom and it's got times four vitriol you know a, a corrosive damage you want to see what that thing does mm. so you play for that extra five ten minutes and what it does is fantastic yeah exactly but then like you have seen the corrosion effect you know you see you can see it very early on and it doesn't change it's only the but numbers it's to see it's, it's more to see how powerful it is rather than yeah. the actual visual effect like the um, so, certainly, you know, the, the, I use the corrosive um, example because I I did pick up a corrosive revolver towards the end of the game, mm. and I spent for all the weapons there are, I spent a lot of time with the same weapons. Yes. Um, you find weapons kind of mid, le- you know, like round level kind of twenty twenty five, and those will generally suit you until level forty ish, etc. Where they're still quite powerful. I found a, a corrosive revolver around level forty ish. And I was firing it, and you'd just take one shot, and then you'd leave them, and the enemies would melt. Even like the high-end, you know, level thirty bandits would melt after one shot. You just have to leave them for five seconds, and they would melt. And that really, you know, it's quite satisfying to do. Even though you've watched the actual effect the same, you know, all the time, it's watching that bar go down quicker rather than watching them actually melt. That's more fun. Yeah, you can't deny that. You know, for for a lot of people, that that is all it takes. I think you know, I, I sort of liken games like this a bit to when I used to watch my mum knit. It's like 
she's kind of I mean, you know, there was an end product to be had, but there is a sort of compulsion to just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, even if you're really just creating lines and lines and lines of knitting. Um, <laughs> there's obviously some kind of uh, addictive hook to to these things. Uh, Map says, I don't have great feelings about Borderlands. I think there was a fun game to be played, but it was ruined for me by a bad co-op experience, as my partner repeatedly played a few missions ahead, leaving me with an underpowered character. And people say co-op makes any game better. Yeah, co-op, co-op does make any game pet- better, depending on the person. Like, so, like <laughs> my, my housemate, like, I know, we had so much fun, but by the end, like, by the end, like, he, he still is a good friend of mine, but by the end I wanted to freaking kill him. Because not only is he overpowered, but he'd phase walk off, kill all the enemies, claim all the best loot, yeah. claim that oh well I need you know this is That's more not co-op than anymore, is yours. Is it? but uh... exactly, and then and then just and then just take the mix and oh you're only a poor you know your your uh, character's really weak, your gun's really weak, hey, yeah, noob. but I've got a, I've got a life. You've been playing this <laughs> for twenty four hours solid. I, I hate to say, James, but at that point you probably should have said this isn't fun for me playing this way anymore. I'm going to go and play on my own. And just can just quit out of that game as soon as he started doing that. But isn't that that is part of a lot of co-op games? What you should it? have done at that point is deleted his game on the sly. <laughs> hmm. Very tempting. Yeah. Before cloud saves too. And then when he starts again, you'll be like, "Oh, level one, eh? Yeah, pussy." <laughs> yeah, it's um that that whole the the competitive side of co-op is a whole thing though isn't it you know remembering back to playing gauntlet in the arcades and uh you know it was always a rush to get the treasure and the power up potions even though you had to work together to progress you could still screw each other over it would actually be pretty good in a work environment for like team based skills just stick on gauntlet <laughs> definitely and left for dead uh final correspondent from the forum is m blockhead he loved this game. The humour, cel-shaded graphics, guns, looting, co-op, and overall crazy nonsense of the game made it my game of the year when it came out. It was also one of the best games for DLC content. He doesn't say brackets apart from Moxie's Underdome. <laughs> each one... Well, I think that's implied. Each, well, yeah, he says each one has its own unique feel and environment and wasn't just a bit of the main game cut out and sold to you after. Maybe, maybe... Be, that, that, that said, it... it, it the, they were very, very good pieces of DLC. It was a rare, rare to see DLC that that that's that well thought out. I actually, I met Randy Pitchford um, a couple of months back. I interviewed him about Borderlands Two, and he was talking about the DLC. And he said, like, and I know this may well be PR rubbish, mm. but it, I I believe this. He said that Zombie Island of Doctor Ned actually wasn't started until after the original game had gone gold, mm. and it was because they'd had so much fun making the game that they'd started to, you know, a couple of the guys had started to pencil some ideas of what they'd do if they did more, and they looked at it and it's like, well, you know what, let's just do this now. And because it was quite a short DLC, they were able to put it together and it was able to be ready for the week after um, the game came right. out. And all of the DLC kind of came from that, kind of, well, we're not really ready to stop working on Borderlands yet because we're having too much fun. What if we did this? What if we did that? And that's where the Borderland, the, you know, the DLC came from, rather than as is the case with the majority of games nowadays, they, they they develop them with the plan of right. We will also add this DLC later. Oh, it's good to hear. If you know, if true, if not, spin. Um, hmm. I think there is a sense that I don't know. It's it's very hard to say, and and there's probably any number of examples that disprove this. But 
you do sometimes get the feel of a game that the developers had fun making and this does this does come across more like that than some yeah and I, I think to, to that point I think Mad Moxie it, it obviously wasn't well received by many people it was outsourced it must have been <laughs> but it did have its own feel you know the marketing yeah. material with Mad Moxie the fact it gave you extra storage for guns and it was all about arena combat which none of the other DLCs were so it did have its own feel it's just it didn't play to the game's strengths and it didn't make it enjoyable for any of us small tweaks to that could have made it enjoyable it it was just that they really overlooked the obvious aspects of what made it really bad okay three word reviews then as I say we got an enormous amount uh, this time Um, if we get this many for games in volume 2 of the podcast we'll have to be more selective but for one last time we're going to read every single one of them out because this is the last show of the season the the first volume of Kane and Rinse so Andy Kurosaki, loads of guns. Barry Alexander Martin, no fun alone. Neil Taylor, who he, uh, good friend Neil Taylor, I should say, uh, says, waste of time. Git. Bad Bonobo, Psycho Midget Barbecue. Justin Knowles, I has guns, apart from its Z's instead of S's, because it's that kind of game. <laughs> Very important. The Sonic Mole, empty solo experience. Mitch Meister, uh, giant vagina boss. <laughs> I never picked up on that until I read that. Uh, Furious, story weak, very. Lord Mutley, loot, guns, fun. Richard Hoyle, must play co op. Widget says, fun with friends. Craig H28 says one more quest uh, Tom Fum another good friend very tedious boring <laughs> Dave Smith supreme co-op experience Alex Adour not enough story Big Man Finelli F that ending here, here. Mormon Rage walk backwards dot 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 shoot Indiana 747, catch a ride! <laughs> Chunky Monkey, that's my shit, or look, I'm dancing! Oh, very good. Count Stacks, looting, levelling, togetherness. Sounds like the mantra for a cult. <laughs> <laughs> he has his own cult over there in Denmark. Xantiriad, flawed, cell shaded diamond. Blah blah. Cell shaded awesomeness. Uh, the excellent Brad Galloway says, "Bored <laughs> to tears." I thought Brad would have liked Borderlands because it's a bit janky. <laughs> <laughs> tweak, cute. I don't even know how to pronounce that. No, I mean tweak, tweak. It's tweak and tweak again backwards. T w e e k e e w t says, "Tweak." I'll say it. He says, "Surprisingly funny shooter." Mealtime strategy says Gameplay? No Gunplay And It's All Stars Is my favourite three word review Possibly of the series Which is fun Also dull <laughs> <laughs> It just sums them all up Absolutely doesn't it that one? <laughs> right. 
so let us give our own summaries as regards to our Borderlands experiences. Let's go in the same order, uh, starting with no. I'm forget that. Sorry. <laughs> let's start. Let's give. <laughs> let's give our own summaries, starting with Darren Gargett. Um, yeah, Borderlands is a is a strange one for me. I think I played it purely out of some sort of weird addiction. As I said earlier on in the show, it was a it was a, a cold turkey WoW game. So the, the the similarities between the two games are obvious, and we've mentioned it many times. Um, I played most of the game because I wasn't interested in the story or the paper thin story. I played most of the game with podcasts on, and that's probably why I wasted so many hours on. Because I was just listening to you know all my favourite podcasts while playing a game like this when I wasn't co-oping with my friend, um, but at, at, like just like all these three-word reviews, they're, they're so polarised in opinion that I sort of somewhere I don't sit in the middle, but I understand both sides of the fence. Like it's not very fun, but at the same time, it's really it's really compelling. Like why am I playing this? Like the same with the World of Warcraft daily quest. Like why do I keep logging in and doing the same shitty quest? And it is because of the the fun element of the reward um, playing at co-op does enhance experience as they do with most games um, not according to everyone but for me it did and it, I think it was just the laughing at the ridiculousness of the AI and the, the actual humour in the world which did strike a chord with me I did enjoy some of the characters and Claptrap you know he's, a, he's, he's definitely the standout character for me um, yeah, uh, I've got Borderlands 2 pre-ordered, and it will be here, you know, next week. And that was my next question. Given given these feelings, uh, mm. where do you stand on getting the sequel? For for me, it's a rental. I think. Yeah, um, it, um PCs. Uh, it's, it's a twenty quid job for me, so I, I I'm going to get it definitely, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm quite. I don't know. I'm on the fence. <laughs> I'm I'm really conflicted. Uh, thinking back, why did I like this game? And I, th- I think it was purely down to the achievements slash quest system that it had. That's all right. Go with your heart, James mm-hmm. Carter. Um, this was my favourite game of 2009. Um, for re- reasons I've alluded to before, I-, I played it straight off the back of Batman: Arkham Asylum, followed by Uncharted 2, followed by As- Assassin's Creed 2, and all those three are fantastic games, but. They've they've all got a tone to them. They're not nec- they're they're definitely good games. They're definitely exciting games. They've got good stories, but they, they, they there wasn't a lot of fun in them. I don't and I, I don't want to to try and dampen the, the achievements that those games are. But this game was just switch off and have fun. I'm the first person to say that I would put narrative experience um, and storytelling ahead of gameplay. I, I can get through some pretty dire gameplay um, <laughs> if there's a story that's dragging me through. So I find it hard to try and um, eloquently say what what it is about Borderlands that appealed to me. But it was, it just felt like it was fun. The objectives that you were given, the shopping list gameplay, as we've called it, it just... And, and the loot as well just made me compelled to keep playing through it and despite the fact that the story I mean you have to go and read a wiki page or something to try and work out what the backdrop to this whole story is because it's not in the game it really isn't um, but something about all that that I've, I've just sort of said made it just a real breath of fresh air for me at the end of 2009 just something that felt a bit different Um yeah, so I absolutely loved it. Um, I had Borderlands 2 pre-ordered the moment it came out, and I then promptly cancelled it following the girlfriend oh, yeah. mode stuff. 
which broke ah. my heart. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in my Borderlands T-shirt, my Torg Bastard Guns for Bastard People T-shirt <laughs> from, from Insert Coin. Are you sure you're not, you couldn't reconsider this? Uh, you know, I admire your ethics, your moral standpoint, See, but the, is, it, is it worth it? Well, the, the, the problem... And, and remember, it was only one guy as opposed to an Intel yeah. studio. You know? the, the problem I have with it is that Randy Pitchford came out afterwards and said that this comment that, that was accurately reported as... Um, I forget the guy's name, and I really shouldn't have, but um, but his comment that it was a girlfriend mode, he said it was just a personal anecdote. If he had said, for me, this is the skill tree that will allow my girlfriend to play the game, then I wouldn't mm. have thought anything about it. Because fair enough, we all have. You know, my, my partner plays games, but she doesn't play as much as me, and so when it comes to something like a, an FPS she would struggle yeah. a bit naturally, you know. Be male or female, we, you know, plenty of us have partners who. It was a thoughtless, lazy comment rather was. than an evil-minded and, comment. I would suggest. And so I ummed and ahed over it, and I thought, no, you know what? I've got to take a stand because Randy Pitchford came out and was quite bullish about his response to 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 the way that the press had treated that that story. Um, if he'd come out and said, you know what, the, the guy spoke out of turn. All we can do is apologise and point to the fact that actually in Borderlands 2, they have done a lot with the Mechromancer character and a few of the other characters' designs that have been released for female characters. They've actually mm. done a lot to put, not real because they don't look real, but different and unique female and interesting female characters into the game. Um, and I actually talked through this long and hard with, with my partner because this is a game we'd planned to sit down and play co-op together. And we we talked about it long and hard and about what this comment really meant. And ultimately, we've come to the decision that we are going to play it at some point. But I, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth because ultimately, mm -hmm. I can't shake the notion that his comment about it being called girlfriend mode is something that the the, the team have referred to it as over... The, I have no evidence for that, but it just seems like the sort of thing he could have let slip out that has actually been what the development team refer to it as. Well, bless you for your ultra-liberal-mindedness. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will end up playing Borderlands 2 because it would break my heart not to, the way I feel about the first game. But, yeah, it's just... It's an unfortunate situation. And on the back of the Aliens Colonial Marines business yeah. with no female characters as well, and there Gearbox are, there desperately... Are there are now. Yeah, yes, gone, absolutely. Yeah, gone. we should say they are, there are now. But there weren't going to be originally, apparently. Yeah, it took a lot of... Um, which is crazy when you think about the Aliens yeah, movie. Yeah, um, uh, what, what it represents, crazy. yeah. And yeah. Um, the other thing, Duke Nukem, the, I understand the, the, the history of that character, but he's an absolute dinosaur, and, and some of the... I didn't play Duke Nukem forever, but I did watch some, some playthrough videos, and some of the ways that good. female characters are treating treated in that game is um, beyond bad taste. And I know that's not Gearbox's game, although they're the ones that finally got out the door, but they put their name to that, and yeah. So did you like Borderlands? I, I love Borderlands, <laughs> after all that. <laughs> I, I, I think Borderlands is great, and if if anything that we've said interests you, then, as we've already said, it's, it's cheap to pick up. If you've got PlayStation Plus and happen to pick it up, then it was free. Yeah, mm. have a go if you've got someone caught to play it with either on the couch or, or online. Yeah, absolutely. Darren Foreman? I didn't think there were enough of women to shoot in this game, to be honest, you know. <laughs> I hate but you not, so much. Not with their tits out, anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I really enjoyed Bur Borderlands. It's, 
there's really nothing I can add that hasn't been said up to this point, you know. There, it does have its problems, but the game world has just j this generally zany, fun vibe that I, I found it almost irresistible, you know, like Claptrap's little jokes and uh, even the really morbid stuff like melting the flesh off a, a bandit. Oh, always funny. Uh, exactly, it's done in a really uplifting, funny kind of way, even as someone perishes <laughs> in front of your eyes. <laughs> I, I had a great time with it, you know. I would recommend this to nearly anyone, especially at the price that it's going for now. And I'm definitely looking forward to the sequel. But strangely enough, the one thing that um, stuck out most in my mind is that I have a friend who absolutely hates shooters and he became utterly addicted to Borderlands mm. just because it is it is a breath of fresh air for the uh, first person shooter market won't vibe with everyone but for me it was just a joy throughout we'll save our guest till last I will go now um, there's some good and some bad for me with Borderlands uh, as I say I like the ambient music very much it gives it an atmosphere um, it is compelling to the point of being addictive um, the the humour and voices are likeable and it does support four player co-op which always makes everything better as we say except when it doesn't um, on the downside it is repetitive even by video game standards even by shooter standards uh, those abysmal gun sound effects uh, are quite a, a killer for me um, I think I would find the game a lot more compelling with better uh, sound effects um, there's barely a story to, worthy of the name um, the end game and the final boss is a shambles um, and the AI is extremely poor uh, indeed giving the game a, a low skill bar and a lack of sort of involvement in the moment to moment gameplay um, so yeah as I was saying it, it does I, I speak with with some qualification about this. Uh, this game is a bit like drinking alcohol. Um, it is psychologically addictive. Doing it alone is fun in a slightly depressing way, but uh, it's more fun in a group. Um, your brain will keep telling you that more and more is a good idea long after you're sick to the stomach. And uh, once, you, once you put it down, you'll be niggled by feelings of shame and regret, wondering where that time went. Speaking James. of which, that uh, guy that I said got addicted to it ended up having to uh, delete his game save to stop playing it. Yeah, it's he it's, cl turkey. it's it's clear. It's like you know, um, like you said, Dara, I'd recommend this to anyone. But it's very clear that if you have the mental fortitude to say enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, I just um, a lot of people. You know, the the amount of uh, three word reviews we had that just said, you know boring just um you know it it i think it's worth trying for everyone but there's definitely yeah. that's, you know, there's, a, that's what i said to them. i mean i said it's not yeah. for everyone some people just won't get it you know there's no guarantee you'll love it but uh, i enjoyed it so much that i would recommend that everyone gives it a chance you know yeah sure i think you've definitely got a point leon because I, I know that i have an addictive personality you know you know yeah. I, I have that tendency in me to we're all addicted to you man <laughs> <laughs> It's very kind of you to say, Darren, and for you, I know that's true. Um, but I certainly have that tendency to to just repeatedly do something, knowing that it may not be good for me, knowing that I'm not getting anything out of it. I know that I do that, and that's what gets me through a lot of games I'd, on hard I'd difficulty be very interested, settings. So. Right. I'd be very interested in the correlation between yep. people who know they have the addictive personality, yep. you know, whether it, whether it comes to uh, legal drugs or narcotics or whatever and or or behaviors like reading or knitting or whatever yeah. and this game whether yeah, think whether you have to have that in you to to love this game 
Um, I'm sure it's not that clear cut because there are other things to like about Borderlands, you know, the humour, the, the the whatever. But the the fundamental loop progression, like as I say, in terms of a co-op shooter, like I just think Left for Dead, Left for Dead Two, just infinitely superior to this in every single department and there's no reason that I would choose to play if I had three mates who wanted to play a shooter and we had and we all had both games I would never consider going to Borderlands it would be straight to Left 4 Dead every time so uh, it's just far more dynamic interesting you know to me but James Batchelor, your summary um- I'm not going to go through any of the flaws, not because I'm biased and I love this game unconditionally, but because, <laughs> like I said, we, we've gone into them and I agree with almost every single one of them. Like, yeah, this game is not going to win any awards. It's not accomplishing anything particularly special in terms of story, art direction, gameplay mechanics. It's not doing anything different. It's kind of, it's just a very different mix of what has come before. I can see why people don't like it. Um, I've been going, you know, I've been going mentally excited about Borderlands 2 since I played a quick preview in July, and the rest of the MCV crew haven't. We've now got the game, and they have put, I don't know, about five, six hours in, and they're not interested, whereas I'm still hooked. I, you know, I, I don't like to use the word addictive, because addictive to me, addiction to me implies kind of mindless compulsion, whereas I am very consciously compelled to play Borderlands I I absolutely adore every minute the original Borderlands is easily my most played game of this generation we're talking more than Skyrim more than the Mass Effect games more than anything on a Nintendo console like Borderlands is the game I've poured more hours into and if I'd have looked at my collection and I'd have looked and if you'd have, if you'd have told me at the start of the generation all the different games that are going to come out and the ones you're going to get into and you're going to enjoy I wouldn't have said yeah that's going to be my favourite but it is I've spent more time in, in um, on Pandora and its wastelands than I have in Skyrim um, and, and I and I am unashamed about that I absolutely love this game it's just that kind of perfect blend of and I can't even describe what that perfect blend of kind of the novelty of random weapons the humor the distinct art style the different worlds like you know different landscapes yes it's post-apocalyptic but it feels different to any other post you know post-apocalyptic landscape you've been on and I just I cannot get enough of this game, which is why I absolutely am loving the sequel at the moment. It's actually uh, it's not so different to Skyrim in a lot of ways, and I absolutely adore yeah. Skyrim. Um, and I would say that the, the 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 shooting combat in Borderlands is about as basic as the melee combat is in Skyrim. But for me, it's the exploration that sort of is the difference. Whereas, yeah. you know, the game world of Borderlands is is fine and well done, but it doesn't it's it doesn't reward as Skyrim. Yeah, yeah, it's not as rich. Yeah, I, but, I actually found Skyrim's to be quite bland as well because it all seems so procedurally generated so very few of it actually looked that different to me yeah I mean I, obviously we, we're not, we, although we've been requested many dozens of times we're not doing the Skyrim show and I know you have you know huge reservations but as a lot of people do about um, Bethesda's games but um, but yeah just an acknowledgement that yeah I don't think the it is humans so, are weird <laughs> it's um, it is uh it is it is not so different from something like Skyrim. No. It's it's but it's shooting rather than you know high fantasy. Another, I think the game structurally that it reminds me of most Borderlands is actually Fantasy Star Online in that it's for four people. You go down to a planet. It's very heavily stat based. Um, I much prefer the sort of uh, audio visual side of of the original Fantasy Star Online anyway, personally. Um, 
but obviously that's you know that was very much of its time it's very much more a japanese game um but yeah that that does have the thing where you you don't really have any actual skill uh, to play it you pretty much walk from place to place and it's all about managing your stats whereas in Borderlands you do have that extra little hook of actually having to point and aim at things even if it is just walking backwards the whole time ironically one last comment sorry um, James Carter said to me before we started recording he had an inkling that I wasn't mad on Borderlands and he said that oh, I think you like this about as much as you like Bulletstorm. The irony is I think if you combined Borderlands with Bulletstorm you'd possibly have one of my favourite games ever if it had all the physics and the complex uh, scoring, uh, like I, sa- I know I said I was disappointed with the, the lack of organic physics and um emergent moments in Bulletstorm but if you took all the hooks of Borderlands and all the hooks of Bulletstorm and put them in one game that would be some kind of heady mixture I think anyone fancy playing that? I would love to get back into Grayson Hunt's uh, shoes I couldn't get into Bulletstorm but like I loved the skill kill system yeah. If that, 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 like given that Borderlands is all about killing that's the one thing missing from Borderlands yeah. imagine if, if you had a bit more you know the melee was a bit more complex and you could you got reward somehow for, for more uh, imaginative or complex uh, killing um, so using the environment more and stuff like that that would be so much more interesting but the, the environments in Borderlands are, are completely non-interactive mm. other than you can stand on them I mean that that almost makes it a, would make a first person just cause too really wouldn't it you know you'd have the there environment and, yeah. and objective based gameplay and, and destructibility and, and with, you, the, yeah. with the leash being something like akin to the um, uh, what's it called in just cause 2 well it's effectively a leash isn't it the grapple, the grapple yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, yeah, shit. Okay, Just Cause times Bulletstorm times Borderlands e- equals Game, times game of the Generation. Times Super Mario World times Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> just bring in anything. <laughs> but you could go really fast and like turn into a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so the roundup for the end of uh, Volume 1 of Kane and Rince. Volume 2 will begin with Mirror's Edge. Then we'll be starting our Half-Life season. Um, Darren G, uh, Black Mesa thing out very soon now. Black Mesa will be out by the time this podcast is out. So yeah. play all the versions. Yeah, so we're going to play Half-Life, it. Half-Life Source. Uh, what's it called? Black Mesa? Half-Life? Black Mesa, Black Mesa Source. Source. Okay. Play all uh, the versions, so just not the PlayStation 1. <laughs> don't play the PlayStation 1. Well, you could, yeah, you could see how, how those things work. Um we're back at that stage, arguably, where console versions of big PC games don't always come off very well. But um, there you go. Asura's Wrath, I'm looking forward to playing that one. Uh, Cast of Illusion, Quackshot, and World of Illusion, the trilogy. Syndicate, <laughs> the 2012 version specifically, but there will be some talk about the Bullfrog original. Half-Life 2 next, then Cave Story, Binary Domain. Darren Foreman, looking forward to that one enormously. I know. Super. Pac-Man Championship Edition DX with special guest Joystick Sin and Kuba. Half-Life 2 Episodes 1 and 2 get their own show. Then Akami, brackets the HD version, possibly. Shenmue 1 and 2. And then in the new year, we are planning to cover Applejack 1 and 2 and Papo and Joe. The month-by-month schedule can be found on the blog. The blog is at www.kenorince.com. Quick rinse videos are found on the YouTube channel, which is a Kane and Rinse. Twitter is at Kane and Rinse. The Facebook is at facebook.com forward slash Kane and Rinse. And you can email us 
at canorince at gmail.com uh, recent quick rinses if you're listening to this show soon after it comes out as many of you do uh, include Darren Foreman's Double Dragon Neon and we're also going to put up Darren Gargett's what's that game? Dark Souls Prepare to Die Dark Souls that's more Aww. of a long rinse but I think I think the game warrants it so Capra-Demon related shenanigans <laughs> God. Your support for Kana Rinse via your iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings is, of course, essential to our lifeblood and hugely appreciated. You can now join the Kana Rinse community and join in with the pre- and post-podcast discussion and talk about anything game and non-related. There's a Real Ales thread, for instance. Telly thread. Usual. It's about time I started a football thread. com slash forum. Uh, so, it is the end of Volume 1. We've made 51 podcasts, including issue dummy issue zero 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 uh i'd like to on behalf of me jay tony and the rest of the team uh sincerely thank all the guest panelists including today's james bachelor of mcv and game burst and our interviewees including such uh, luminaries as james milky and adam capone and more uh me tony and jay would very much like to thank the Kane and Rince crew, everyone who's here everyone who's on this show and everyone who's contributed to the blog and everything else uh, it's been amazing because everyone's just thrown their all into it, turned up when they've needed to, completed games when they've needed to, um, produced loads of brilliant content for the blog and uh, the po- um, yeah on the podcast mainly That's uh, and producing the podcast as well of course we'd like to thank Darren and Sean and James Carter and Jay for editing it's a hugely time consuming thing especially because we demand such high standards uh, mostly thanks to you the listeners for all your support throughout volume one we took a bit of a gamble with this format um, but it's uh, you've we tried something a bit different with this podcast and you've embraced it and for that we thank you and uh, hopefully we'll see more and more of you in volume two uh, don't forget just because the podcast is away for a few weeks uh, the blog the forum the community facebook twitter all continue and uh, the cane and rinse podcast will return on the 7th of october with mirror's edge so it just remains for me leon cox to thank darren gargett darren foreman James Carter and special guest James Batchelor and we'll leave you with some music until volume 2 goodbye
me out. Oh, come on. Get down. I think I lost the beat, but... Oh, come on. Let's get down. Come on, everybody. Check me out. I'm dancing. I'm dancing.